The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 233 for Thursday, uh, February, (laughs) June 19th, 2014. I'm your host, Rich, and our caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number, 347-324-3541. You can also hit up our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. All right, so um, we had a little bit of a miscommunication with regards to getting the video feed set up, but, um, you know, our audio feed is good, so you can listen. Oh, correction. I guess our video feed is live. Thank you very much, Andrew. Much appreciated. Anyway, as I was saying, uh, call the number 347-324-3541, and our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. So, before we get into this week's show, we got a lot to discuss. First up, uh, next week's broadcasting schedule may be a little bit uh, a little bit off, only because we will be covering Consumer Electronics Week from the 24th through the 27th. So, of course, you can follow all our coverage on MyTakeRadio.com or via social media on Twitter. Of course, that's at my take radio we're going to be covering all the latest technology on display new tvs new cameras new hardware the works and we're going to try and live blog from there as well uh if everything goes according to plan slick should be joining us during that event um i don't know if he's going to join us for all the days some of the days but either way slick is going to be there to lend a hand if all goes according to plan so as of right now next week well thursday the 26th uh, we may not have a live show. If anything, there might be a show uh, pre-recorded or something like that. Nothing too crazy, but otherwise, we're going to be getting everything else throughout. You know, the remainder of the week on the site. I don't like the leather. Uh, uh, let's see here. Hold on a second. Andrew is telling me we got no audio. Those of you in the chat, can you guys let me know if there's audio coming through on the GFQ feed? Just want to make sure uh, I'm not muted here. So, yes, no, Bueller, anyone? 
because Andrew says he's got no audio. So I need somebody in the chat to let me know if we are running. Uh, see Slick in there. Actually, is Slick in there? Yeah, Slick is in there. Slick, give me a sound check. Let me know if you got audio on the video feed. For those of you that aren't getting it, try refreshing or use the Mixler player. Um, Isaiah tells me that on Mixler, we have audio. Ah, Feed Me Less is also saying he has no audio. Interesting. Hmm. Let's let's find out. Uh, let's do a little troubleshooting. No, it looks like... Uh, testing, testing. How about now? You guys got audio? You guys got audio? Uh, Dark Helmet... Uh, what? Ah, there you go. So Mortis says he has audio. Interesting. No idea why that is, but looks like everything is running as it should. All right, cool. Thank you guys for the heads up. Dude, I got no audio from you. Audio in on. I don't understand what Andrew is writing. I apologize. Let me get this squared away so everybody can hear what the hell is going on. Uh, chat room says, uh, Mortis, Mortis says he can hear it. Uh, feed me less can hear it. Ultra low audio. Hmm. All right. Let's see. I don't know if it's Skype. I don't know if it's me. Let's bring this shit up some. Ah, there you go. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew says he's got audio. Jay just joined the chat. All right. So let's get to it. Anyway, as I was saying, broadcasting for this week is going to be funky, but a couple of things I did want to get out of the way, a little bit of housekeeping and a funny story I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, First up, as always, if you want to support MTR, make sure to check us out on Patreon. You can go and donate a dollar per episode or up to $5 an episode. Uh, With $1 donations, you get an on-air credit, which, of course, Javon Lewis, one of our first Patreon subscribers, definitely deserves that that honor of being the first and if you go with the five dollar tier you will be included in a special credit for our video episodes it again uh, not mandatory just something if you guys want to have a hand in helping mtr out that's a good way to do it it's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash my take radio um some news i gotta address with you guys which i thought we were already official with that but it looks like daily motion is um giving mtr some love so our official daily motion channel is rocking and rolling you can check us out dailymotion.com forward slash my take radio tv so we will try and get more video on daily motion since obviously those of you that are getting the videos from youtube can have an alternate source now from what i've been hearing daily motion is going to be is a little funky with long form video so i don't know if i'm going to be able to put the shows up there but any game reviews, any video game footage, any live streaming that we do, we're going to try and put on Daily Motion, and we're going to get that squared away within the coming days. It was weird because I got a tweet this afternoon, and it said, oh, let's welcome My Take Radio to Daily Motion. And I said to myself, well, shit, I thought we were good. Well, either way, I'm happy to hear that we are running on all cylinders on Daily Motion, which is great. And you can check us out there. And of course, like I said, on YouTube, if you haven't subscribed, 
please do. We try to put all our episodes up there. We try to put video game footage, unboxings, reviews, event coverage, you name it. YouTube.com forward slash my take radio TV. All right. So this week I got to share a, 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 an opening monologue, a funny story that happened because it's so insane, but so good that I couldn't pass up sharing it with you guys. So as many of you know, my, my oldest sister, she is a, a huge gamer, especially with the 3DS, loves it, plays it nonstop, especially Mario. Mario is her, her crack. Um, of course, my oldest sister, she also has autism, but uh, when it comes to gaming, she she is a pro. She she loves especially all the Nintendo stuff, and we even got an old Genesis plugged in because she likes all the signature characters being, obviously, Mario, Sonic, uh, characters like that. She has a soft spot for even some Street Fighter, so it's it's pretty cool, and it makes it makes my interactions with her great because we have common ground that we can um we can communicate. Obviously, it's it's a little difficult, but it's but it's one of the the highlights of my day. So last week, of course, for Father's Day, she gave me a Father's Day card. Really awesome gesture. You know, I'm I'm a terrible human being, but um that that really made me. I kind of want to say it made me feel emotional. It made me feel great. You know, it kind of validated everything I did. And um, funny thing is, I get the card, I take the card, I put it on my refrigerator. She draws the Lion King on it for me, right down to the copyright from 1994 for some reason. But, you know, really cool Father's Day card. I put it up there. And um, this week, getting ready to go to work, and my grandmother says to me, oh, um, I got to tell you something. I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. What do you got to say? So my sister... She says, I, I stick my head up at 630 in the morning. I don't see your your sister in the bed. And I, you know, she goes, I got concerned. I get up. I call for her. I he, I don't hear her. And then all of a sudden she comes out of the kitchen very quietly with a spatula holding one of the grates from the stove. She was like, I couldn't really tell until I turned on the light. So my sister decided that it would be a great idea to take... I believe it's her regular Nintendo DS, the first one, and put it on the stove and melt it. So I, of course, was about as upset as you would expect. Number one, obviously, because my sister was messing with the stove. Number two, because my grandmother really didn't smell a giant heaping burning sack of plastic. And number three, obviously, she she melted something that cost a lot of money, could have caused a fire, could have injured her. Etc. 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 So, I share this with you because the my sister is very very into birthdays, especially hers. So the funny thing is that in my family we kind of have what's called birthday season. The first birthday in my house starts in May, then we go through June, July, and August. Um, in May, my brother and uh, you know my grandmother. In June, me. Uh, July it'll be uh, my nephew. Uh, John Blade, my wife, uh, one of my, my my younger sister, and in August, of course, my oldest sister. So she's been kind of talking about, oh, she wants a tablet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm, I'm led to believe that she melted the DS because she figured if I break it, I'll get the tablet. <laughs> Again, this is me trying to piece this logic together. Now, the craziness is 
Yes, it's also the five-year anniversary of the Orlando trip. Thank you, Mortis, which also was the five-year anniversary that the Orlando trip yielded bedbugs, which is a separate story for another day. But in any event, um, I wanted to share it with you guys because you look at you look at gaming as an outlet for entertainment, and it is for me to a degree, but it's also a, something that bridges the gap and really enhances communication between my sister and I, uh, given her disability. So... It, it, it really, it really, I, I was beyond angry, <laughs> beyond angry that she melted the Game Boy, the, uh, the DS, and um, come to find out that she didn't melt the good, super expensive 3DS, but she melted a pink, uh, I believe it was a DS light that she had. Either way, um, you know, my grandmother puts it in perspective. She's like, well, she didn't melt the regular one. I'm like, but she melted a system at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so it was it was just it was probably one of the most randomest things and one of the craziest things but I did want to share it with you guys because these are the crazy occurrences that happen off air in my day-to-day life and I didn't think oh I'm going to wake up and head to the office and my sister in turn will melt her her DS but in any event she didn't melt the good one crisis averted and I said if if she really did melt the good one, I wasn't going to buy her one for her birthday. So, of course, me being the responsible adult, that was what I was going to stick to, and I was going to practically let her wait till Christmas um, to give her a 2DS because, obviously, it was a 100 and something dollars, and um, it, if she destroys it, I wouldn't feel terrible. But, yeah, it was it was definitely a, a very strange experience. So, the other thing I wanted to share with you guys, we um, put up a brand new installment of MTR Behind the Mic with uh, stand-up comedian Hugh Murray. Now, I- I've known Hugh Murray for-, for a while now via social media. We've never met face-to-face, but we get along, you know, we get, we get along very well. We have similar interests, and um, I really wanted to get him on air. So his interview is available to the general public starting today. So if you want to check it out, by all means, feel free to... Um, download it via whatever podcatcher you use or head over to mytakeradio.com. MTR app owners did get it first. They've had it for roughly about a week and, and, a, and a half. So they've been able to, um, you know, they'd be able to enjoy it first. So the reason I'm talking about this is because before that, we did a Beyond the Mic with the guys from the Fat Startup. Now, the Fat Startup is a um, a think tank. It's um, a, a th- an entrepreneurial think tank that kind of uses the hip-hop message to work with entrepreneurs i mean that's not that's not something that is meant to sway anybody but there's a nice urban edge to it which is very refreshing so after i interviewed them they they host meetups here in new york city and um they had a guy his name is jason calacanis uh some of you guys that are really big into tech or or into the internet like really into the shit you'll you'll recognize this guy's name and um, this guy was going to be a speaker. So I said to myself, shit, I'm going to uh, leave early from work, head into the city so I can hear this guy speak. So what ended up happening was I went, I actually got to speak to him and ask him about podcasting and, and new media and where it's going to go and all this stuff. But the dude, he was probably like, you guys tune in and and you guys like my abrasiveness Um whatever it is that, that, that draws you to the show. But this guy, he's, he's probably going to be, he's going to, he's what I'm going to be 20 years from now, just abrasive, probably one of the, the realest dudes I've, I've spoken to. 
and um, just a, a moment of clarity with regards to where the show's going and, you know, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. So you're going to start seeing a lot of changes uh, in the coming weeks, not only for, for MTR, but just for the brand as a whole. And I wanted to share that with you guys because it was it was one of those eye-opening experiences. It's like if you're uh, if you're a basketball player and you meet Michael Jordan and he says, hey, you got tremendous potential keep working at it you know it, it gives you a kick in the ass and um for me it definitely was exactly that it was a kick in the ass to kind of refocus and take stock of everything and all the people that we work with etc cetera, etc cetera. and one of the things that i'm gonna i'm gonna come out on air and i'm gonna say is the following all those times that we've worked with all these different brands and all these different individuals and we got absolutely nothing from it Guess what? That shit is done. Period. If if we're going to work with anybody, they got to have the same drive, hustle, and motivation that we do. And not just, oh, we're going to slap our name onto whatever and, and you know, just r- let you guys ride the, ride the missile in, so to speak. Um, not doing it. So you're going to start seeing a lot less MTR partnerships with, with certain entities because... It doesn't lead to anything. It it leads to, oh, look, we're working together on paper, and it looks fantastic. You guys don't benefit from it. We don't benefit from it, and the brand doesn't benefit from it. So just one of the things I really took away from that. So when you start seeing MTR endorsing individuals, brands, etc., it's going to be because we believe 110% in, in those individuals and in those brands and everything. That's it. I'm not co-signing to shit anymore. Simple as that. Um, I figured I'd share that with you guys again. Very, very eye-opening. Very uh, refreshing for me. But either way, I'm not going to yammer on any further. We got lots to discuss. We got TNA Slammiversary, which um, I'm sure I'm going to need Jay's assistance for because I ended up watching it on tape delay, and I have some differing opinions on it. So I'm definitely going to need, um, you know, I'm going to definitely need the, need a, an assist from Jay for that. Uh, in addition to that, of course, we got this week's gaming news. We got some crazy stuff going on in MMA. Uh, the last couple of the last couple of days have been really crazy. Uh, we got to talk about Vanderlei's drug test and all the craziness there. We got to talk about the founder of Bellator pretty much getting the fucking can and um, what this does for the second most popular promotion in MMA. We're going to get into that and just a, a whole lot more because, you know, gaming-wise, there's there's some great news, and entertainment-wise, there's a lot of rumors and a lot of stuff we want to get into. So, with that said, um, let's get into this week's MMA news, shall we? My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMA Warehouse. Of course, get the latest and greatest MMA gear from MMAWarehouse.com. You need rash guards, fight shorts, gloves, hand wraps, you name it, they got it. Make sure to check out MMAWarehouse.com. Of course, you can find their banners on MyTakeRadio.com. Going through that, of course, helps us out and, of course, takes you to one of the best purveyors of MMA merchandise on the web today. Um, unfortunately, this Cobra Kai t-shirt is not 
from MMA Warehouse. But either way, um, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta show Cobra Kai some love. Just being an '80s baby and all. Anyway, so this past weekend, of course, we had UFC 174, which I expected to be a serious, serious card because of all the the great fights that we were going to see. Unfortunately. For all the hype that there was, there were, it really didn't go as well as I would have expected. Now, of course, there were some fights. Um, the opening fight on the pay-per-view card was Ryan Jimmo taking on Ovin St. Preux, uh, or OSP if you're a Strike Force fan. And that fight actually ended via TKO in the second round due to verbal submission. Uh, Ryan Jimmo actually had his arm broken during the fight. It was It was ridiculous. It was a really, really... Uh, solid performance by OSP. Um, definitely a guy that has been going under the radar at 205. People haven't been acknowledging how good he really is, but he looked really good in there. Um, really, really uh, aggressive stand-up, great kicks, and like I said, securing the victory via TKO. I don't like seeing fighters get injured, but OSP definitely makes a statement in the opening pay-per-view bout. Now, Andre Arlovsky came back to the UFC to take on Brendan Schaub. Now, Brendan Schaub, of course, has been, um, you know, one of those guys that they look at as a really, really serious um, heavyweight prospect. Some people have, you know, dis disparaging things to say about him for various reasons, either because um, he has no personality or, you know, his, his BJJ exhibition that really didn't go according to plan. Whatever the case may be, I always find Brendan Schaub to be uh, an interesting fighter because his fights you really can't predict if they're going to end very quickly and abruptly or if it's going to be a grind. Um, Andre Arlovsky comes in, of course, his return to the UFC. Arlovsky, uh, a storied he a heavyweight competitor with a, with a really great story when it comes to the UFC. And I expected this fight to really be a slugfest and it really did not deliver the goods. It was a lot of uh, a lot of safe fighting. I think part of it was because Arlovsky was a little hesitant to pull the trigger because people feel that Arlovsky has a glass chin. Other people just felt that they weren't really working it the, the way they should have. I mean, the opening fight, I pretty much felt that it was a draw. There was no dominant performance. Arlovsky in the second fight started to find his range, started to improve his striking, but it really wasn't a fight that delivered. It wasn't a horrible decision, but it was just a, a very uneventful fight. And, um, you know, it's funny, Agamemnon, who is from Punching the Walls of Reality, make sure to check those guys out. Um, PTWOR, look for them online, of course, and they are friends of the show, so glad to have Agamemnon in the chat. He, he says that um, Pat Barry and Brendan Schaub are similar, and I understand the, the, the similarities and where he's coming from, but... Pat Barry was always exciting to fucking watch, dude. Like, Brendan Schaub, you watch him fight. Sometimes he's exciting. Other times, it's like fucking taking a Valium and leaving the television on. That's pretty much what it was. I really didn't feel that he brings that level that level of excitement. Pat Barry is a... It, it, Pat, and, I, and I'm a Pat Barry mark. I, I, I make no, no qualms about it. He's... He's a guy I like to watch fight, whether it's an MMA or kickboxing, because the guy, as soon as that cage door closes or he gets into that ring, that switch goes on, and he's a fucking maniac. He goes out there, murder, death, kill, 
let the chips fall where they may and win lose or draw you have to you have to admire the guy's the guy's heart and and his passion for the game so you know he's probably one of the guys on my bucket list to interview just because you know he he's, he references street fighter he's he's into pop culture he seems just like a real ass dude so um pat barry's on my wish list so if anybody can make that happen get that interview um point me in the right direction i'd appreciate it but either way um you know this fight not as exciting as i would have hoped and the funny thing is that the the fight with Fajal and ryan bader was next so i said oh okay this fight is going to redeem the last fight but again same shit happened it was it was just very academic uh very safe guys weren't really going in there leaving it in the cage and this is something that's been happening for for quite some time and i'm sure maybe mortis or agamemnon or any of the mma fans in the chat will agree that fighters for the last year or two have not especially guys that are just maniacs haven't been going in there and and giving it their all in the cage it's crazy it's it sounds crazy but i just get the feeling that these guys they're, they're not going in there and pulling the trigger like they should on the contrary it's a lot of jab 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 counter strike counter strike maybe we take it to the ground maybe we don't we're not seeing as many knockouts we're not seeing as much crazy shit as we used to see i don't know if it's just a a passing phase of the sport or guys are trying to fight smarter i don't know but this is one of the reasons why I, you know, I haven't been buying a lot of cards. I either watch them on tape delay or I watch the highlights online or whatever the case is. Morta says that the UFC fighters just seem content. They do just enough to stay in the UFC. And you know what? I can actually agree with that. Think about, let, let, let's, let's go to wrestling for a second. Think about WWE, WCW, and the Monday Night Wars. Not only were we getting some crazy wrestling, but we were getting some of the best storytelling, some of the craziest moments during the Attitude Era, during that during that time. It was it was a who's who. You'd start watching WCW, then you'd flip to Raw, then you'd flip back because you knew something was going to happen that was monumental. And yeah, it wasn't on every broadcast, but it was it was amazing. And it was, it, it, I go back to when the UFC and Strike Force were kind of not neck and neck because obviously the UFC was in a separate class, but it was great cards from the UFC, great cards from Strike Force. It was, you know, it was insane. Like, like you'd watch a Strike Force card on Showtime and you'd get, you know, just, just really, really great fights, whether it was, you know, Cyborg dismantling somebody, Gilbert Melendez, Robbie Lawler, these, these guys just going in there. Uh, and being being full on animals and yeah elite xc is another another great one but the ufc now it's like dude i don't want to say dudes are lazy because again th these are some of the some of the some of the toughest jobs and bellator in the early goings amazing wec amazing now it's like exactly what mortis said just real complacent real yeah you know i'm just trying to get a couple fights get a title shot you stack my chips and that'll be that so that's really it so like when you see a fight with like Feijao and Ryan Bader, Ryan Bader's got great wrestling. Feijao's got great submissions, very decent stand-up, and and that's you know you watch that and you go, holy shit, you know this looks this this is gonna be a, a, a an awesome fight. And instead, you know it's a decision. Uh, Cavalcante, you know especially in the third round, just zombie walking, trying to go in, 
Uh, Ryan Bader trying to shoot, take it to the ground. It, again, just it just didn't it didn't have that air of excitement that we are used to. Meanwhile, Tyron Woodley, Rory McDonald. I tell you guys, yo, Tyron Woodley, Rory McDonald. MMA fans that are seasoned that know the sport, they're gonna be like, oh man, this is gonna be a crazy fight. Rory McDonald is considered the second GSP, little GSP. T Wood is just a dynamic, explosive, exciting fighter, and that was not the case. Just a just fucking a, a human a human chess match that wasn't even that exciting. Like again, I just felt I felt like like something was missing. I don't know if it was that that I expected T Wood to go in there, but it's funny because a lot of people were saying that T Wood got exposed in that fight. That he, um, you know, he they showed that he wasn't ready to hang with the big guys at, at welterweight. But I will say this. If this was a fight that was being looked at for title contention, I wouldn't give either fucking guy a title shot. Because that fight was bullshit. It wasn't decisive. It wasn't, it wasn't super crazy. I mean, yeah, he kind of, he definitely looked, uh, Rory McDonald looked like a better fighter in that fight. But it wasn't some some decimation, you know, or a knockout within the first minute or whatever. It was it was a grind. It was just a fight that was very exhausting to watch. Mortis says, I think fighters these days don't actually want to fight. At least it looks that way in the UFC. They see the long-term damage that it could do. And a lot of them just get in to make a few bucks to live off of, knowing that it's not going to last forever. That's a that's an interesting assessment, but here's here's how I see it. The UFC is the, the, the pinnacle. When you put UFC and WWE side by side, every aspiring wrestler and every aspiring fighter want to be in the UFC or WWE respectively. But with that, is gonna, there's a certain expectation. And sometimes in wrestling, if you're a guy that's a cruiserweight, a high flyer, a risk taker that delivers amazing matches, then you get to WWE and you get neutered, then all of a sudden that person isn't as good as they used to be because they're playing under the WWE uh, rule book. And the UFC to a degree is the same way, and I'll tell you guys why. The UFC goes in there, they want to give you the best fights possible, but I also feel that there's too many fights. Like, every weekend there's a fight, and the problem is that there's so many of them that the, that the significance of the fights goes down the toilet. It's different with wrestling now because with the WWE Network, if there's a pay-per-view every three weeks, you're only paying $10. So whether the pay-per-view's good, bad, or otherwise, you get your money's worth because it's only 10 bucks. With the UFC, it's like you got to pay the $10 for Fight Pass, you, and you get your Fight Pass cards. Then you get your Fox Sports cards. Then you get your pay-per-view cards. It's it's a lot of it. Plus, you know, obviously you got other promotions, World Series of Fighting, Bellator, RFA, you name it. There, there's other promotions out there. And if you have a really good cable package, whether it's Fios or DirecTV or whatever, you're going to be able to see all these different fights. And if you're a boxing fan and an MMA fan, then forget it. Then your dance card is completely booked every weekend. Plus local shows. Thank you, Mortis. And because of that, I do feel that the sport is in a, a very, very easy, in, in kind of just an easygoing phase where guys aren't trying to go out there and get killed. And the problem with that is that the fans, they they, they get frustrated, and then the, the fighters are the ones that have to suffer for it. Like, don't get me wrong. And, and this I talk about all the time. 
if a fight goes to the ground and there's legitimate mat wrestling or Brazilian jiu-jitsu exchanges that are that are exciting, you shouldn't boo that. You really shouldn't. But if guys are going to, you know, dance around the cage for, you know, t 12 minutes versus, you know, fighting for 10 and then, you know, coasting the other five, then, yeah, I can understand that. And that's different. But don't, you know, don't boo guys that are going in there doing what they got to do if it's not your cup of tea. And I know plenty of people that they'd rather watch the stand-up portion versus any sort of grappling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu wrestling and I understand that. And there's there's people for that have that interest. And I tell those guys whenever they complain to either watch Glory Kickboxing on Spike TV or watch regular boxing if they just want to watch striking. Otherwise, you have to accept that it you have to accept that this is all part of the game. That's all I'm saying. Uh Spike's promotion is Glory. Glory, um, those guys, they put on some some stellar cards, Agamemnon. Definitely check Glory out. They those guys kick ass. Um, so let's get into this flyweight title fight. Uh, Demetrius Johnson taking on Ali Baganidoff, and I probably but ruined that guy's name. Uh, Demetrius Johnson, one of the guys that is pound for, pound for pound, one of the best fighters in the division, doesn't get the attention he deserves. Uh, the guy, you know, flyweight, do, they don't give this guy as much love as they should with all the other fighters in their in their you know in the promotion. And it, and it just boggles my mind. The guy is, is incredibly fast, super technical, and he just goes out there and he, he gives it his all. It, it's always fun to watch Demetrius Johnson fight. And even though this fight went to unanimous decision and it was 25 minutes, it was still 25 minutes of fucking ping pong ball bouncing around the cage action versus, you know, sprawl and brawl or, or stall and brawl, which is what I saw a lot of. In this particular card, a lot of stalling and brawling, nothing crazy, nobody going out there and swinging for the fences, just a, a very, eh, it was a very lackluster card, and the funny thing is, a lot of people on Twitter, they felt the same way, it was like, damn, people paid $60, and they were just pissed off, super pissed off, either way, um, you know, it was it was a it was a good fight, I like Demetrius Johnson, I really hope that they can find him some, 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 some good opponents because that guy, he's one of those guys, him, Jose Aldo, um, you know, formerly Henan Brown, now TJ Dillashaw, you know, the smaller guys, their divisions are chock full of exciting talent. The only problem is that maybe the flyweights aren't going out there and knocking each other's blocks off, but these guys are some of the most technically sound fighters and, it, and the fights as a whole are more exciting to watch. It's different with heavyweights because you want to see those guys slug it out. You don't want to see... Uh, 25 minutes of heavyweight wrestling because it's like it's it's definitely a more snooze worthy experience overall this card probably one of the weaker cards of 2014 and I and I don't say it because of the people on the card I just say it because the fight them the fights themselves didn't really deliver like we expected and I'm sure Ben would agree if he was here he would say the same thing it was just a very a very formulaic card that's all it was yeah, Frank Mir and, and Big Nog, that fight, when when Frank Mir broke Noguera's arm, I'm glad you bring that up, Mortis, that was probably one of the craziest things because when we were watching that fight, I believe Slick was here at the time, and when that shit went down and he broke his arm, it was like, oh, my God, you know, everybody went, the, the room went 
quiet and then it was just a huge collective oh my god he broke his fucking arm holy shit and and that's you don't see that as much i mean don't get me wrong i don't want to see guys get their bones broken or whatever but think about it the last oh my god holy shit moment and i'm talking about where where the internet collectively collapsed on itself was when anderson silva broke his leg against weidman where it was just like <gasps> Oh my God! Just it, everybody, just everybody was done when that happened, and and that was like I said, there hasn't been a moment like that in MMA, and I'm not saying um I'm not saying that that's that's what you want, but MMA is just not giving us those moments, those holy shit, this is amazing moments, like when when we were watching MMA, you know, with Brock Lesnar. Anderson Silva, GSP, and these guys going out there just having bomb-ass fights. I mean, UFC 100, without a doubt, stands as probably one of the best pay-per-view cards that the UFC has ever organized. It was just amazing. UFC 100, without a doubt, if you go back and re-watch it now, you'll still mark out because it was just from soup to nuts, fucking amazing. Amazing. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, let's get into the other MMA news for the week. Um, otherwise, you know, we, we can we can beat down this card. Um, with regards to bonuses, 50K was handed out. Um, Kichi Kunimoto took a performance bonus. Uh, Taehyung Bang took a bonus. And um, he also took fight of the night bonus when he took on Kajan Johnson. Now... I want to talk about um, something very interesting Dana White said about the Ultimate Fighter Season 19. He said that without a doubt, he feels Season 19 was the worst season. He says that the fighters were unmotivated. And when he was asked if those guys would, um, you know, how many of those guys you'd see in the finale, he said, if it was up to me, I w- you might not see any of those guys in the finale because I was not impressed. Now, to hear Dana White say that, again, I talk about Dana White sometimes overstepping um, his, his, his bounds with regards to promotion. I'll tell you why this wasn't working. The fact is, the Ultimate Fighter continues with oversaturation. You know? It, it continues with, with oversaturation because it's it, every, every year you're not getting the same type of exposure and the same type of hunger that you're getting during other seasons. Now, Dana White referenced Ultimate Fighter Latin America, and, um, you know, he was talking about those guys are going in there, and every fight is an amazing fight. It's fantastic, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll tell you why. The Ultimate Fighter going into Latin America or acknowledging Latin American fighters is, is, um, is ridiculous because you knew that it, those guys are going to go in there and make... A statement, and I'll tell you why. If you live in, uh, let me use Puerto Rico as an example, obviously, because I was there recently. In Puerto Rico, you're you're one of the first things you learn or or you're introduced to is baseball. Baseball is 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 a huge part, you know, of just Puerto Rican culture. Same thing over the last couple of years, basketball, same thing huge part of the culture wrestling in puerto rico huge part of the culture so when you look at those sports you you realize hey you know if i if i play hard and i play every day maybe i can be a professional baseball player 
or a professional basketball player. Wrestling, yeah, but baseball and basketball, especially when during the time that I lived over there, a lot of guys, they wanted to be the next Michael Jordan. They wanted to be, you know, the next Jose Canseco. Um, it, it, you know, it's something that everybody talked about. When you go to these countries where the only way out is if you get a good career or you play a sport, you're going to get guys that are just incredibly hungry, guys that are going to go out there and fucking kill themselves because they want to improve their lives and their families' lives. So for Dana White to say, oh, the Ultimate Fighter Latin America is insane, it's because those fucking guys are tired of, of eating shit. You know, they're tired of, of dodging cartels to, to go to the grocery store, especially if, if, you know, Mexican fighters, or they're tired of living in, in, in poverty level conditions in their countries or whatever the case is. Of course, they're going to go and do that. And that's the shit that gets me. Oh, you know, the, the La ultimate fight of Latin America is going to be crazy because, you know, every day we're in there, you don't want to miss those fights. Those guys are so pumped to be living in a house. You know, I feel like I'm sitting in front of an, a, an arena with a thousand dollar ticket. That's what he said. And I, when I read that, I'm like, you know, that's great. That's fantastic. But again, people, those guys are going to go out there and give it 110% because they're tired of, of being, you know, in, like I said, substandard living conditions or just they, they have a shitty life or, uh, you know, they live in an impoverished area, whatever the case is. L let me tell you, when you have no money, when you're poor, when you're when you're at the poverty line, when your parents got to work three or four jobs, you value hard work. Period. You know, my 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 mom raised us by her, you know, by herself. And you know, my brother raised me with her by by herself. And the fact is you appreciate hard work. That's not to say when you grow up in a two-family household or whatever because you could have a mother and father and you could still be poor as fuck. I know plenty of guys that had the nuclear family, mom and dad and a dog, and, you know, still, mom, dad, and a dog, the dog can barely eat, and, you know, the mom had to work three jobs and the dad had to work two jobs, and that's what it is, and those individuals, those those guys that I knew growing up that came from those environments are are hustlers. They were hardcore dudes that worked. I know guys that they'd go to school leave school and work two jobs two. hell when when I had to step up in my house I worked two jobs I worked nine to five in an office then five to one unloading trucks for UPS grueling fucking shit grueling and and this is what I'm saying you're hungrier you value hard work so to hear Dana White say that and talk about oh you know season 19 of the ultimate fighter was whack like I said and I've said this before we don't need a season every year why don't you alternate a year? That way God, you can you can scout good talent and guys can can get that hunger again, especially if you're doing it here in the States. Because guys know I can get into the UFC through the Ultimate Fighter or I can do good on the amateur circuit and get signed. They know how to play the game. You tell some guy in Latin, you know, in, in, in Mexico or in Cuba or in the Dominican Republic, or in Brazil, or in Brazil, or you tell, or in Portugal, wherever, and you tell them, "Hey, you have the opportunity to make a seven-figure salary for punching people in the face, 
a lot of those guys are going to jump at the chance because nine times out of ten, they're punching people in the face just to fucking survive. So, of course you're going to get a good season. I guarantee you, you're going to watch The Ultimate Fighter Latin America and you're going to see guys, oh, you know, I come from the, from the ghettos or I come from the barrio or... You know, I had it really hard, or I fought a lot, or I got in trouble with the law. You're going to hear that shit. It's going to happen. Same thing with the season with the ladies, the, the, the ultimate fighter with the straw weights. When, when, when those women get into that house, they're going to fucking kill each other. They're going to kill each other. They're, some of them may not even wait until they get into the cage to kill each other because, again, this is an opportunity to get out of the, the doldrums of obscurity, to get out of those smaller promotions where you're getting maybe three and $400, you know? That's, that's, how, that's how it's going to go down, you know? You're going to get hungry individuals. Simple as that. So, you know, to hear Dana White say that, it was just, again, just not, not upsetting, but just like, are you shocked? But... To each his own. Anyway, a couple of fights started taking shape. Um, UFC Fight Night on June. Uh, as a matter of fact, UFC Fight Night at the end of the month, uh, June 28th, you're probably going to have a full day of MMA. If you are a Fight Pass subscriber, you're going to have UFC Fight Night 43 from New Zealand. And that's going to start, get this, at 5 a.m. And um, the prelims are going to start at 2.30 in the morning. Who is going to watch that shit? Sure as fuck isn't me. I'm going to read the recap at some point when I wake up Saturday morning. But for those of you that have Fight Pass and want to see the event live, 5 a.m. is when you can tune in on UFC Fight Pass. Then later on in the evening at 10 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, you got UFC Fight Night 44 as well. So June 28th is going to be a stacked weekend for MMA, which again... It's great, but if you don't got UFC Fight Pass, you're missing out. And if you do have it, are you really going to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning? I kind of have my doubts, but again, to each his own. In some Bellator news, um, they put a fight together for July 25th. It's going to be Bellator 122. And the reason this card is, is getting talked about, obviously, is you got your middleweight tournament final, you got your welterweight tournament final, plus you got your semifinals for your light heavyweight tournament. Also added to that card is Phil Baroni, the New York badass who who's a, who's an awesome dude. I like watching that dude fight. He's going to be taking on U, former UFC veteran Carl Parisian. Uh, Carl Parisian, people have a love-hate relationship with that guy. Uh, some people think he's super awesome. Some people feel he's just an entitled douchebag. I don't mind. I have no problems with Carl Parisian. I'm, I'm glad to see him in an organization and still um, performing in, 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 you know, fighting actively as a mixed martial arts competitor so i think him and phil baroni are going to give us a pretty a pretty decent fight and again that's going down july 25th the main card will be on spike tv at 9 p.m the prelims will be on spike.com at 7 p.m so wouldn't be an mma segment without either vanderlei silva or chael being the subject of discussion now as i mentioned a couple of weeks back vanderlei silva left the gym instead of taking his um his you know the the drug test that he was supposed to take prior to his fight with Chael. Now of course this was before Chael was popped for uh taking banned supplements. Now, you know, you look at Chael and his situation and then you look at Vanderlei's. Now, Vanderlei clarified his situation. I don't know how well it's going to be received. Um 
you know, Vanderlei feels that his his excuse for not taking the test is is viable. Dana White feels that that is not the case. So according to what Vanderlei said, the reason he didn't take the test is because he was taking diuretics. And the reason he was taking diuretics is because he wanted to heal a wrist injury that he suffered in the brawl with Chael. Now, what they're saying is that he he had um, a doctor that can confirm that he was taking the diuretic because the medication he was taking was making him retain water. And in order for him to counteract the effects of the medication making him retain water, he was taking a diuretic. Now, again, this is this is some some interesting shit because you ran out from the from you ran from the commission instead of taking the drug test instead of just saying hey listen i'm gonna take the drug test but you might find a diuretic in there because i've been taking anti-inflammatory medication that's been making me retain water i have a letter from the doctor etc 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 and it wouldn't have escalated to the point that it has now everybody's saying oh you know vanderlei's gonna is in deep shit I, until the commission drops the hammer I really don't know where this is going to go, but if Vanderlei's excuse is legitimate as, the, as as legitimate as he's making it out to, to be, then it's going to be very interesting to see how the commission handles that because in Chael's case, Chael, even with him announcing his retirement, the Nevada State Athletic Commission did suspend him. They did give him a partial suspension, a uh, temporary suspension. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be real interesting to see where they're going to go with that. Chael still has a hearing and that's going to happen later on. But in Vanderlei's case, I'm curious to see how the commission addresses that. Jay is saying, how about Mike Tyson punking Dana White for his plane seat? That was fucking amazing. I laugh my ass off because Mike Tyson looks like he just has an amazing time wherever he goes. And him punking out Dana White for his plane seat and writing on his head with a marker while he was asleep were fucking priceless. So Definitely thank you, Jay, for bringing that up. If you want to see that, um, you can go to Dana White's Facebook page. There's photos there. And you can also probably find it on Instagram as well. All right. So a fight that was announced that I'm really looking forward to seeing, and especially after his last performance, this guy isn't taking a break. He's trying to get back into that title picture immediately. And that is Benson Henderson. Of course, he recently beat Rustam Kabilov a week and a half ago. But get this, he's going to be back in the cage for UFC Fight Night 49, taking on Rafael Dos Anjos August 23rd in Oklahoma. The main card will be airing on Fox Sports 1. I think Benson Henderson, he came out of that fight with no damage whatsoever. He's trying to get back in there because he wants another title opportunity. And shit, who can blame him? But again, I think that fight's going to be an exciting fight, hopefully. And it's going to make for an interesting card for August 23rd. Now, another fight that was announced that, again, on paper looks like a tremendous fight is Ronaldo Jacare Souza taking on the dream catcher Gegard Mousasi for UFC 176, and that's taking place August 2nd at the Staples Arena in Los Angeles. Now, the this card is, is coming together quite nicely because you got Jose Aldo defending his belt against Chad Mendes, uh, Mousasi and Souza, Shayna Baszler taking on Beth Carrera, uh, Juicier Formiga taking on Zach Makovsky, which is going to be a great fight. And Fabricio Camoes will be taking on Gray Maynard. Also on that card, which I talked about last week, was Derek Brunson and Lorenz Larkin, plus Bobby Green and Abel Trujillo. So again, this card is coming together quite nicely. August 2nd is the date. 
I'm really pumped for the Gegard Mousasi and Souza fight because, again, there's definitely title implications there. And, of course, Jose Aldo and Chad Mendes, which I think if Jose Aldo retains, he's going to want to have that super fight with the champion at 155. So the big news story this week involves Bellator. Bellator, of course, is has a, is maj the majority is owned by Viacom, which, of course, owns Spike TV. And the funny thing is that Viacom owning the majority stake gave the founder and CEO Bjorn Rebney, along with his um, his his partner, they gave them the boot, which is insane. Now, originally, um, you know, Bjorn Rebney was the founder of Bellator, the chairman and CEO, and uh, Tim Donaher was the COO, the chief the chief operating officer. And these guys have been running the promotion. And over the last couple of months, Bjorn Rebney has gotten himself into not hot water, but just has been viewed in a, in a not-so-positive light by Viacom and the organization. Now, obviously, the, the jump to pay-per-view on the 100,000 buys is definitely part of it, especially because the first attempt at pay-per-view fell apart. And then, in addition to that, they started signing all these guys, including, get this... They're looking to bring back Kimbo Slice. Now, if you remember, Kimbo Slice um, fought in Elite XC, fought in the UFC briefly, and, of course, you know him for his legendary street fighting videos on YouTube. Now, for Bellator to be entertaining a guy like Kimbo Slice, which, again, I like Kimbo Slice. I think he's a cool fighter. Hell, I have a, a, a Kimbo Slice right here. That's how you know I'm a Kimbo Slice fan. This is a Kimbo Slice uh, round five MMA figure. I own this shit, beard and and do rag, stocking cap and all. So, for 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 me to say that, you know, I'm I'm a Kimbo Slice fan, I mean it. But again, you're bringing in a guy whose fight record, the last fight he had was with Matt Mitriona, and he has a very good boxing record right now. But again, this is not what you want to do as an organization. What you need to focus on is creating stars in that organization and building your organization around those stars. And you got great guys. You got guys like Eddie Alvarez, King Mo, hell, even Rampage, even Tito for as old as they are. And, and you know, your opinions about them may vary. They are still marketable individuals that can help you reach a level of relevancy that actually matters. Now, the thing is, Bjorn Rebney, um, the, the situation with Eddie Alvarez being called a dick rider on pay-per-view uh, you know, on on television by King Mo, one of his own fighters, just it 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 really just was the beginning of the end. And Viacom decided to cash in their chips and give him the boot. Now, I'm sure we're gonna get the full story in the coming weeks. But the crazy thing is that with Bjorn Rebney's departure, Viacom brought in Scott Coker. Now, if you're a longtime MMA fan, you know that Scott Coker ran Strike Force. And Scott Coker sold Strike Force to the UFC. Now Scott Coker, of course, head of is now head of Bellator. And a lot of longtime MMA fans see this as a breath of fresh air. They felt that Coker really did a good job in the early goings with Strike Force, making them a viable promotion, putting together great fights. And to a degree, I I, I share the same sentiment. But I also feel that Bellator in its current incarnation has not been giving us the best that they can give us with the talent that they have. And one of the things that's been said, and, you know, Scott Coker kind of alluded to that 
in his conference call is that Bellator will be doing away with the tournament format, which depending on who you ask for me personally, I feel that the, the, the tournament format was good, but it wasn't as good as you would have liked to see, because what happens is you had one card. It was the beginning of this tournament. The other card was the end of this tournament, but the beginning of this other tournament. It felt very disorganized. I always felt that if you were going to do Bellator, whatever, 123, and you were doing the light heavyweight tournament, then you should do that light heavyweight tournament that night. Period. Do that tournament that night, and the guys that are in the finals will fight on on the next card as, you know, the co-main event or whatever. And then you do the other tournament, and the winners of that, they fight in the final for the next event. And that way you keep giving us money fights, but then you end up doing the tournaments faster instead of welterweight tournament final this week, but start of the middleweight tournament in the same in the same breath. So I definitely feel that the disorganization that has been happening over the last couple of months will slowly come to a head. Now, is that going to be good for the promotion, bad for the promotion? Some people feel that. You know, Scott Coker is pretty much just going to go in there and set up Bellator to be purchased by the UFC. I don't think that's the case because Scott Coker is walking into an organization that is owned, majority owned by a conglomerate like Viacom. Viacom has money to burn to sign good fighters, talented fighters, and bring them into the organization. Hell, Viacom has the money to absorb smaller promotions into Bellator. A lot of people feel that this is the resurgence of the Monday Night Wars all over again with Scott Coker at the helm for Bellator, a.k.a. WCW, taking on Dana White, a.k.a. Vince McMahon. I'm not I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon just yet, but as a fan, I do feel that we are getting some really, really great benefits. I, I, have, to, I have to give credit where credit is due. I do feel we are getting some really, really great benefits in that regard. But again, it's something that we're going to have to utilize a wait and see approach before we can really, really see the entire bigger. Well, until we see the bigger picture, that's where I'm going to go. Bjorn Rebney's out. Scott Coker is in where it goes for the organization remains to be seen. So on this past week's UFC tonight, it was announced that uh, Misha Tate will be welcoming the undefeated Rin Nakai to the Octagon for UFC Fight Night 52. Now, for those of you that are Google ninjas, I recommend you look up Rin Nakai and um, share. feel free to share your thoughts in the chat. I think her and Misha Tate are going to have a really great fight. Both of them are uh, great ground technicians, and um, Misha Tate's striking has definitely improved. I think it's going to be a good test for Rin Nakai, and also a good statement-making fight for Misha Tate if she can defeat the undefeated prospect. We shall see how that goes. Now, last but not least, UFC 175, after all the after all the people have been withdrawn, all the drug tests have been taken, um, it finally is official. Uh, this is the card as follows. Goes down July 5th. Uh, Chris Weidman, Lyoto Machida for your main event. Ronda Rousey takes on Alexis Davis. Uh, Matt Mitrione will be taking on the skyscraper, Stefan Struve. Uriah Hall is going to be taking on Tiago Santos. And Marcus Brimage will be taking on Russell Doan. Now, on the prelims, get this. Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy will be taking on Uriah Faber. 
That is going to be your main event on the prelims on Fox Sports 1. Also, Chris Camozzi is going to be on that card as well. And the other prelims are going to be on the UFC Fight Pass. So as of right now, UFC 175 on paper looks like a stellar, stellar event. Again, July 5th, two title fights, Ronda Rousey, Alexis Davis, and Chris Weidman and Lyoto Machida. Definitely fights that are worth watching. Now, Mortis says, uh, if Misha Tate loses, do you think she'll be out of the UFC or is the division not deep enough yet to let her go? Um, if Misha Tate loses, she will stay in the UFC. I'll tell you why. And this is a very easy answer. Sex appeal and market marketability. Think about it. Ronda Rousey, your champion, mainstream exposure, sex appeal, Maxim, ESPN, etc. The only other person in the Maxim Hot 100 that is a, a female mixed martial artist besides Ronda Rousey is Misha Tate. Simple. In terms of mainstream appeal, that's the, that's that's why they would keep her. You don't part with a fighter the caliber of Misha Tate because you realize that she is an effective number two to market your organization. Now, obviously, when, when MMA math is concerned, if she loses three consecutive fights, then obviously it's a no-brainer that you got to cut her loose. But from a marketability standpoint, from a money standpoint, you don't want to do that. I mean, when they were promoting the UFC game in, the, in New York City here, uh, she was one of the fighters that was there to, to promote the game. And obviously, she's one of the fighters that's in the game. And I picked up the game Tuesday and I'm playing through it, and I have a review. Um, there's certain things that, that I don't like about the game. Uh, collision detection issues, uh, the referee disappearing out of nowhere, fighters just disappearing. Like, you could be fighting and punching a guy in the face, and all of a sudden your fighter becomes Invisible Woman from the Fantastic Four, and you don't see him. Just a lot of little bugs that I don't like. But, again, be on the lookout for my review. Hopefully I'll have it finalized this weekend, but... In the early goings, there's definitely a couple of frustrating things. As for, like I said, UFC 175, um, definitely going to be the card to watch. I'm sure Dana White is hoping for a home run, and I am hoping for it as well because it's a fight. It's a card that I'm legitimately contemplating spending $60 on. Will it bite me in the ass? That remains to be seen. All right, so that's going to wrap up this week's wrestling segment i mean uh, wrestling segment there you go there's my first botch jay i'm sure you're happy uh this is gonna wrap up this week's mma segment let's get into some wrestling we got to talk tna slammiversary we got to talk about monday night raw and we got to talk about the week's wrestling news let's get that ball rolling booker t do the honors we want the gold sucker hulk hogan we're coming for you nigga My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Get all your favorite wrestling tees at WWEShop.com. Use promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders over $70 or more. Again, WWEShop.com is our sponsor, and our promo code is WWESAVE10. So, this past Sunday was TNA Slammiversary pay-per-view, which already 
went in pretty much on crutches. The original main event, which was going to be MVP and Eric Young, got derailed completely once we found out that MVP injured his knee and we were going to get brand new opponents for Eric Young. Now, you would say to yourself, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to get we're going to get some decent opponents, but definitely not the case. And considering what I read for some impact spoilers for next week, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be pissed off. So, Jay, whenever you're ready, feel free to call in. I um, I'll tell you this. I didn't watch I didn't watch the event live. I missed the event, um, obviously, it being Father's Day. And I didn't even set up a live blog for Jay, which kind of fucked things up. I felt terrible because I knew Jay was watching it, and I'm sure he really wanted to sound off on it. But here's the thing. Slammiversary is viewed as, you know, TNA's WrestleMania, TNA's big event. And it didn't, it didn't live up to that. The only thing that came out of that was the Hall of Fame announcement, and even that felt very amateur hour for my liking. I definitely feel that the Hall of Fame announcement left a lot to be desired. And like I said, just the overall pay-per-view left a lot to be desired. Now, obviously, it's very easy for you to say, oh, well, you know, TNA, they're always going to be second tier. They're going to be third tier. That's not the case. My issue with TNA is you have a wealth of talent, a wealth of talent. And what you end up doing is you take your your two hours of television and it just it just falls by the wayside. There's so much disjointed booking, so much, so many different just angles going on at once. Nothing is ever consistent. And then when you finally start getting consistency, things fall apart. Like I said, MVP's arrival in TNA I felt was a step in the right direction. People were complaining about MVP being the authority figure, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it was a breath of fresh air versus Dixie Carter, Sting, Hulk Hogan. Just just on my fucking TV all the time and killing it. So in that respect, I'll say that MVP's arrival in TNA was a step in the right direction. Now, the execution, I do feel that MVP's heel turn occurred too quickly. I felt that they didn't allow him to gain enough traction as a face before flipping him as a heel. I think in that respect, they were definitely uh, there was definitely piss poor booking. On the contrary, MVP was the guy that you can use to kind of start bringing things together, start creating cohesiveness in terms of just angles, matches, every aspect you knew for a fact was going to be uh, just driven by MVP's involvement. Much like the authority kind of are the, are the spearhead for certain angles on, on WWE programming, you kind of want to, as terrible as it is to say, you want to borrow some of that because you know for a fact that there's a right way to use authority figures and a wrong way like when you look at tna here's what bothers me they never ever ever take the time to increase and and improve their overall presentation it always feels very wcw and even wcw's presentation was was gradually better like TNA doesn't even try to, to go the extra mile with their fans or or just to bring it in into a more intimate environment like ECW. When I used to go see ECW at the Elks Lodge here in New York, it was just a, an intimate but grimy, smoky involve, a, a environment that really still made you feel 
intimate and connected with your wrestlers versus say um you know a tna event when you see tna on tv the crowd isn't as passionate as when you go to see a t see a tna house show when you go to see a tna house show john blade can attest to this jay can probably attest to this as well when you see tna house shows you see just a different persona you see more passion you see that the wrestlers are having a good time it always feels like the television product is incredibly forced uh by the looks of things it looks like uh Jay is on is holding, so let me bring him in. Jay, what's up, buddy? I have now found a newfound respect for Cody Rhodes. Oh the yeah, I'm sure. The days have changed. <laughs> the days have indeed changed, and we'll we'll definitely get into that. I wanna I wanna kind of go through Slammiversary because you know this is supposed to be TNA's WrestleMania, and before we we go through the matches, <sighs> did did it did you feel the same way I did that? For this being TNA's signature pay-per-view, it felt incredibly amateur. Is Slammiversary really their WrestleMania? I thought it was more like Bound for Glory that was their WrestleMania. They, in any case, it's all been shit anyway. They, they book um, it every every other year. They book it like Slammiversary's the big one or, or Bound for Glory's the big one. It fluctuates. Yeah, th this year... Um, the doors opened up as though like it was a possibility that this year might be some type of event that might draw new fans in. Right. But after the first match and the finish for that one, I was like, eh, same old TNA. Yep, same old TNA doing the same old shit. Like, I watched, I, I, you know, let's, let's talk about the X Division title ladder match. When you talk about X Division guys, you know you're expecting an amazing spot fest, but still, it's an organized spot fest. You know what I mean? It's not a complete car wreck. Now, when you look at that, you had Sonata, who is probably the most poorly booked champion, uh, Manic, Tigre Uno, Crazy Steve from the Menagerie, who all of a sudden was just a guy that, that, that was competing for a belt, and then, of course, the American Wolves, which... Well, of course, in their feud with MVP, were thrown into this match. Now, Sonata is a guy, he comes over from Japan, has a pretty cool gimmick, but the language barrier hinders him tremendously, compounded with the fact that you rarely see him consistently. Like, he's just a, your X-Division champion, and nine times out of ten, he's having matches with Tigre Uno. <laughs> every fuck, it feels like every week. Yeah, but well, first of all, the way he got the belt was off camera. He got it while they were in Japan somewhere. So when he brought him to the United States, it was like, well, who the fuck is this guy with this belt? Right. And like you said, they they barely have him on TV. Your champ should at least be seen once a show. Right. I mean, we understand that they book their shows ahead of time and they do tapings like four matches, but at least have him do some type of run-in or some type of, you know, outside promo or manage somebody. If you don't want him wrestling, you barely even know the guy was around until he walked out through the current. Well, the thing that got me was that they used the great Muda to pull him over. I mean, to put him over. But the shit that got me is you didn't take any time to even put the great Muda over. Like when the great Muda showed up in that one in that one tag team match it was like oh shit it's the great muda the pageantry they were like oh the pageantry and the legendary great muda and it's like 
the legendary great Muda because you said so? Like, acknowledge the guy's fucking history. Like, yo, the great Muda, when you talk about the great Muda to those that aren't seasoned wrestlers, you just got to say, before Tajiri was spitting green mist in fucking people's faces, the great Muda was the guy that put spitting green mist on the fucking map. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's tougher now because, like, we, you know, us being, you know, history fans for, from years behind, we could always use that as a reference to sit there and go, oh, well, he, he kind of has a style like Muda, or, you know, anybody who comes from Japan is like, oh, I hope he's like Muda. Like, guys nowadays, they're like, who? Like, right. They, they, they won't know. So putting, putting him in that perspective is like, trying to dig up the past and a lot of wrestling fans don't want to they really not care about the past nope. and that's what that's what you know is kind of fucked up about it yep they give they give no they give two fucks about wrestling's past but you know what it is when you're using this guy this guy that's quote-unquote passing the torch you kind of want to you know a- expand on the guy's history so you know who sonata is getting the torch from even if you got to buy some, some footage from, from a tape library or something, you know what I mean? Take your time and say, hey, you know, the great Muda, he's bringing one of his disciples to TNA. And then have a buildup, you know, some vignettes like, you know, the great you know the great Muda, legend, blah, 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 showing up at blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, this is his pupil. Like, take some time, you know what I mean? Like, that's one of the things WWE is incredibly good at. Every week when they're going to debut somebody, you get that vignette. Uh, it's quick. It, it it gets your attention, and then when it happens, you know, whatever, the guy's good or he sucks or whatever, but at least, you know, you start getting familiar with it. Like, remember when Rey Mysterio was first going to debut in the WWE, and they would show the mask and the history and all that shit, and then all of a sudden when Rey debuted, everyone was like, oh, my God, you know? Yeah, I, I think what it is is that TNA wants to pretty much rush everybody out there so that they can have that, you know, that, that look who we got first and you guys didn't, you know, from other promotions couldn't jump right. on it. So instead of, like, you know, putting him in that package to where you could at least, you know, have Muda come out with him as a manager, show him more of a – but it was just too quick, too fast, give him the belt, and then good luck. Well, right after that match, of course, Sonata retained – and um, here's a couple of things I found wrong with that match. Manic. You go through all this trouble to create suicide. Hogan renames him because, you know, Hogan being Hogan and, you know, them being stupid. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, that guy. He still has a job? Like, Manic is the JTG of the X Division. Well, I'm constantly saying that, you know, they need to drop it already. Uh, TJ Perkins is a guy who can wrestle... You know, he can stand alone. He has the look. You know, he, he you know, kids, even if he's a face, kids will get into him. The chicks will dig him. You know, he, 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 he if you've ever seen his indie work, guys, if you get the chance, go on YouTube and look up T.J. Perkins. A guy actually is a solid work and doesn't need that gimmick. It's a hokey gimmick for him. Right. Well, here's the thing. If you want to create a cash cow, the mask guys are a given. The only problem is this is a here's here's the worst part, Jay. You have a mask guy, you get you pluck him out of your fucking game, out of your game. So you automatically have creative control because you created the fucking guy. So you know what I mean? Like like you created him, you gave him a cool gimmick. 
He had an awesome mask. The music got you hype. And the finisher, you know, the Suicide Solution finisher, it's like, yo, the, the dude is legit. And then all of a sudden it's like, uh, who's that guy again? Oh, yeah, <laughs> we created that guy. Oh, yeah, that guy. It's like, it's like, like, like the line from, from The Departed. He, you know, I'm the guy that put the X Division on the map. Who are you? Oh, you must be the other guy, the champion. <laughs> Seriously, it's like, it's like, it's like, are you kidding me? You know, I, I couldn't understand well, that. that. Well, that and the fact that, I, like you mentioned, you said if you were going to put, you know, the guy pretty much, you know, when you have someone in a mask, it's a, it, it's a guaranteed sell with merch and all that stuff. I don't yep. see anyone in the crowd wearing a, a suicide or a manic mask, not a shirt, nothing relative to this guy. Right. So basically you have him out there sweating his ass off and it can't even get a sale at the freaking – at the merch table, nothing. Well, you know what's funny? I wanna, I'm gonna see if I can pull this up. Hopefully, I don't, I don't, uh, we don't get any. In, eh, fuck it, whatever. We'll see what happens. So, I want to pull up Suicide's first de- uh, appearance, which was TNA Final Resolution 2008. Now, when you see this guy in 2008, you're like, oh shit, this is badass. Check this out. Hornet to come back out here. He had the awesome lights, all the bullshit. Well, the lights go out. Come down on the zip line. See that? So you had you had this this amazing guy again. You fucking created this guy. <laughs> created him in your game that you created this personality, dude. Awesome music. Regardless that whether it was Christopher Daniels or Kazarian or fucking Hogan's son or the paralyzed kid from the car crash, whoever was under the mask, you were getting something unique. Something original, something that belonged to the product, and then it's just like, oh yeah, that guy, fuck him. It's crazy to me, crazy. And whenever have you, when have you ever heard that someone actually took something from a video game and actually put it as one of their, you know, headliners in a promotion or something? Hey, I've never heard of that, and it actually worked for a short period of time. Well, you know what the crazy thing is? The only other effective effective 
wrestling gimmick that I've seen video game based is Starman <laughs> on Pro Wrestling Syndicate. I got to give credit where credit is due. Fucking Starman. You hear that. You're like, wow, there's a there's a good, there's a dude named Starman, like from the game? Holy shit, you know? And even that, you know, it makes people think. Like you said, you created this guy for your game, and it actually got over. That's the crazy part. It's like, yo, it was over. Like, you saw the crowd popped, and he, he, hit, his, he hit his spots, and he left, and the crowd was chanting suicide. People had suicide shirts on. It was fantastic. Then it was just like, oh, yeah, Hogan said, your name is Manic now. <laughs> and had no backstory for nope. it. There was, like, no reasoning. There was no saying, since you're a dude that goes up there and it's a maniac, and on all calls, it's Manic out there. Like, even nope. Vince would have came up with a better freaking gimmick name for him dude at least make him like a latino gangbanger and call him like manic hispanic <laughs> come on give me, give me something give me something you know the manic hispanic just a just a crazy guy that threatens to shiv you after every match something but no no, no. A suicide not gonna be killing himself but killing you no that'll be a murderer yeah exactly i'm gonna have to come up with another name yep it was it was ridiculous. And then, you know, MVP comes out. He goes, hey, my, my knee's all fucked up, held together with Elmer's glue. But, um, you know, people are going to, you know, Eric Young's still going to defend his belt. So they put Samoa Joe in a match with Bobby Lashley. Of course, the winner goes on to face Eric Young. Now, before we even talk about the outcome of this match, what would be the right thing to do with this match? Well... Joe has to go over. Thank you. Fucking Joe definitely thank has to go you. over. Joe has to go over. You know, because that makes sense. And because Samoa Joe is a soldier. Dude, Samoa Joe got kidnapped by mass men, thrown in the trunk of a car, taken away for months, and no one ever acknowledged it. <laughs> It's like it's like it's like it's like one of your marquee performers just got kidnapped by guys that look like terrorists and he just comes back with fight shorts that are actually solid and then yeah nobody talks about it what Samoa Joe got kidnapped really when where no. was I where was I no 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 those guys were helping Samoa Joe to the doctor what uh. <laughs> you know Dude, it's it's like you put him in a match with Bobby Lashley. They were, take, they were taking Joe to rehab. Yeah, something, dude. And it's like I don't hate. It, was it an intervention? You know, did Samoa Joe eat too much? You know, Hawaiian shrimp. Like, what's going on? Like, come on. And then it's like Bobby Lashley. I like Bobby Lashley up to the up to up to the point where he only sweats from his skull. Have you noticed that? He's like completely. He from his skull, and, and he's completely dry. Uh, just like Lesnar, the microphone is his kryptonite. Oh yeah! As soon as Bobby, tell him how you feel. Well, I'm gonna go out there <laughs> and I'm gonna whoop some old Joe's. Ass. What? Who? Who? You big gossamer looking motherfucker! Stop squeezing his balls, Kenny! Hey, stop squeezing his balls! I'm not touching him. Yeah, it's that's how he talks. I'm not touching him. Nope. I swear it's not me, dude. It, it, and that's what <laughs> that's what frustrated me. It's like. Joe, Samoa Joe, don't misunderstand. 
if he came to WWE, he would probably be dressed up like a Hawaiian mascot to come out with, like, the Usos. Like, he'd be the Samoan teddy bear. You know, He like, would so- be Sumaga. They would just put an S in front of Umar and be Sumaga. You, you never know. get it? Yep. <laughs> He'd be he'd, he's there to avenge the death of his brother at the hands of Vince McMahon or just something totally shit. Like, you know, Samoa Joe would go to, would go to WWE and probably get destroyed. And it would take an incredible amount of ring work for him to get like respected. And you know who's going to have that same problem? Kevin Steen. Uh God, well, you know, and this, this is one of those aspects where I said, you know what, I, I, I don't mind that he'll do just a little time at NXT. Just, I, I don't mind it. I, it's fine because at least, you know, let him gain the pace of what WWE wants. Just don't push him out there quick. Don't let him be the the the, the Sin Cara without the mask. Just, right. Just don't give him, him some some time. Well, not only that, but again, you, you know, I do see WWE's kind of they're trying to to not live up to the moniker of just, you know, jack dudes that can't wrestle going out there. Because, you know, Bray Wyatt isn't winning any any Mr. Universe pageants anytime soon. And let's not talk he about Bo- No, he's not. You know, neither's Bo Dallas, neither's <laughs> Brody Lee. You know what I mean? Neither neither's Rowan, you know, Harper and Rowan. Like I understand that and they're and they're they're taking these personas, but you know for a fact that Samoa Joe is probably leaps and bounds ahead of half of that roster on WWE television right now. And I, I I beg anyone to call in and debate that. Samoa Joe's mat work is probably better than 75% of WWE's roster. Period. You know? Yeah, it's... It, 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 it. When you think about it, it's like you bring Joe in if there was a possibility. And not even just the gimmick-wise. You know somebody back there is going to sit there and go, listen, he's going to be over anyway. How can we not get him over yet? Right. Because it happened with Brian. Everybody recognized Brian when he came in. They tried to, like, you know, know, change him up a little bit, try not to make him so free. They put him with a bad freaking coach in his NXT debut and all that stuff. So they try to like them they'll they'll find a way not to he can't come in as a superstar. There's no way. Yep. Can't do it. Oh no. Can't do that. And that's what I'm saying. Like when you look at a, a great example, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, everybody knows he was fucking El Generico at this point. Those Olay chants aren't because WWE created them. <laughs> WWE didn't create that shit. He doesn't even use that shit as a catchphrase. Yeah, but they, but they still sit there and go, mm, let him lose a lot. Yep. And maybe, maybe we can build him up. Yep. Maybe. And then what, what, what got me is that Earl Hebner in that match, you know the screw job was coming. Her Earl Hebner is way too fucking old for that, for, to be in that sort of an environment. Because, every, dude, he, he couldn't even, he's like waiting to take the bump. He's like, hi, hi, I'm ready. Hey, guys, is it time yet? Hey, what about now? It's like, no, no. Somebody said, Earl, we're bumping tonight. He's like, fuck, really? All right, let me get my Gatorade. Let me take my Geritol complete. Yep. 
He did. He did. He did. Uh, he did. Uh, he drank a whole bottle of glucosamine so he wouldn't break his hip out there. <laughs> it's like, oh, and then it's like Bobby Lashley kind of went over clean. I'm like, really? Like you used a spear and you beat Samoa Joe? Like, did that happen? And I understand because you know the the winner was going to be in a match later on in the night and they were probably cutting some corners, but but no. You put Samoa Joe in that match. Not that he has to and then win you it. Do it. Like you said, you did it with the with, with the spear, and that and you didn't even let Joe kick out once and then bring it back again. Nope. No, it was just pretty much yeah, yeah it's over there. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty much done. So, you know, let's get let's get into this Magnus and Bram with Willow and Abyss. Now, a couple of things. Abyss is probably the best big man working right now outside of Mark Henry. Can can can, can I say that legitimately? Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's pretty much a solid pick, yeah. You know, it's like Mark Henry, Abyss, and Kane are probably your best big 300-plus-pound plus workers on, on, you know, in the business today. Why is it that TNA decides, again, we created this guy. This guy has been a staple of our organization, but we're just going to keep him off TV for 12 weeks, and all of a sudden he just comes back, and everything is all good. And nobody remembers how he left. Thank you. Dude, I was trying (laughs) to figure it out. I'm I'm like, how did he leave again? Did he break up with Magnus? What the fuck happened? Did he get hit by a bus? I don't even remember. Dude, I have no idea where the fuck he went but he was gone and then he was back like the thursday before like oh i'm gonna you know i got the monster with me you know your boy willow cutting his fucking stupid ass promos oh yes and and what a joy it is to put those two together and look and watch the posthumous shit storm that was about to come out of that one i hated that pairing i really i didn't get it didn't want to get it and not the fact just because I don't like Willow. It's just, it doesn't fit for me. It just, it bits to just stand alone. He could if you're going to put him in a match, even though it was Willow's fight, you know, let, let him fight Bram and freaking and Magnus by himself. He doesn't, it, it, there was no need for Willow to be involved in that nonsense. Well, besides the fact that you could have just made it a fucking tag match since they were both involved anyway. Yeah, I mean... That's once again. It's one of those things that you want to look to the side and go, "Okay, who put this shit together? Who, right. who did this? Did we did, did we do this like five minutes before the current open? Who did this?" Well, you know, I kind of like Bram's gimmick. I think Bram is pretty cool, kind of like the the European hooligan. It works, but the problem is that all you know, Magnus all of a sudden just became a hooligan again. Like you should have just said, you know, like Magnus should have just been like, "Yo, I've always been a piece of shit." And, you know, the promo that he used to kind of validate that was good, but it needed a bit more. It needed a bit more of a buildup. Like, they should have shown, like, oh, you know, like, here's some YouTube footage of Magnus and Bram beating up a guy at, like, a bar in England during a soccer game, you know? Like, this was some amateur video captured at a bar. Do you remember this, Magnus? Like, you know, you show shit like that, and it's like, oh... Wow, you know that that I could now I understand, but it was just like, oh, you know, I got tired of being the corporate puppet and fuck this, and you know, this is who I really am, and it's like, really? 
So you went from an uptight British guy to a hooligan. No, because remember, we are supposed to forget that Magnus came in as a Roman gladiator. Yep. Remember, we're supposed to forget that. Yep, we're supposed to forget that. I mean, his be- Magnus's best work was probably with the British invasion. Probably the best yeah, work. That, he- and, I, and I think that's what they're missing once again. That, But in, in all honesty, I hope you build up to something like that because Bram, like you said, is actually a good fit for the guy. He actually has like that, like you said, the hooligan look. And we're, you know, the possibility of maybe starting another stable. But, yep, yeah, yeah. And then TNA lets go of a guy like Doug Williams, who, who's an incredible worker. You know, Doug Williams, Doug Williams probably has one of the coolest fucking finishers in the game. Yeah, I, really? Was he let go? I thought he was just, well, yeah, they did, because they just bring him back whenever they feel like they want to give somebody a check. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, let me see. Let me see if I can find the finisher so people can see see this dude's finisher at work. I got it. Guys, Douglas Williams' finisher was the chaos theory. It was ridiculous when you saw it. Check this out. Yeah, that finisher. And that's a cool. That's a cool freaking name. Also, you got to you got to give it to him for that. You know that finisher was tremendous. You see that finisher, you go, "Wow, that's a badass finisher." And you know what's funny? You look at it, and it's fairly safe. It's a fairly safe finisher versus some of the shit that TNA's done. You know, like if you had to say Canadian Destroyer or Chaos Theory, the Canadian Destroyer. It, it, a lot of people just make it look shitty. You got to be a smaller guy to make it look good. The the chaos theory, though, it's just a roll. You know, you roll right into the German. Like, I'm tired of seeing all these guys use some variation of a fucking DDT. You know, you look at that finisher, you're like, oh, shit. And again, nice, well choreographed, put together. Like, here, here's a good one. Like, Mojo Rawley. From NXT. Oh. That motherfucker sits on you. My favorite. That motherfucker (laughs) sits on you as a finisher. Are you serious, bro? You know? He's he's using the earthquake finisher. Terrible. 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 Anyway, so let's talk about this Hall of Fame announcement. Kurt Angle comes out. Everybody's like, okay, you know, Kurt Angle, welcome back, blah, blah, blah. Kurt Angle's like, yeah, you know, my body's held together with crazy glue. And uh, once my contract's up, I guarantee you I'll be in the WWE so they can put me in the Hall of Fame. But I'm going to get this check by introducing Team 3D as the next ballot, uh, as the next first ballot Hall of Famers for TNA's Hall of Fame wing. Now, well-deserved honor, don't get me wrong, but the fact that you cut Devon loose, made him come back to put him in the Hall of Fame, just looks incredibly shitty. <laughs> It really does. Like, oh yeah, I thought, scram. I mean, I said, I said, um, because I, you know, I, I was actually one of those sad day, and I was like, damn, I, I started going through my mind. Shit, who actually had a tenure at TNA that would actually be Hall of Fame worthy? And I'm like, shit, are they? Can they bring AJ back? Like, I, I, I really think it. And when he said Team 3D, I said, okay, I can see that. I can, I can, I can see that. 
But yeah, you did kind of get a look of, of Devon. Like, he was like, wow, he hasn't even been off TV that long. What the hell happened to him? Right. Like, I'm like, really? Okay. And the funny thing is, it's like, <laughs> uh, Stardust in the chat says, please take Angle to WWE to fight Rusev. I would mark the fuck out. You know, Rusev Ham Sandwich, what's challenge? And then all of a sudden, you just hear Kurt Angle's music. Everybody starts chanting, you suck. And Kurt Angle legit comes out and fucks him up. Oh, I would mark. Dude, I would mark the fuck out because I would build that like Rocky taking on Ivan Drago. I'd build the shit out of that. Yeah, that one, that one will be have that one have uh, Royal Rumble WrestleMania match written all over it, dude. Especially because if you have this big belief that Rusev is going to be this this major player down the road, nobody would help put him over more than Angle. Because when you talk, you know USA, you know pro America, it's like hacksaw Jim Duggan, the Patriot. And Kurt Angle, you know, like that's how it goes. <laughs> I'm not even saying it to be an asshole because everybody's like, oh, well, you know, they're probably going to feud with the real Americans. Shut up. No one's that match. That match is going to be fucking cold pizza on, on a Sunday morning. No one's going to care. No one's going to give a shit. It's like, oh, yeah, Jack Swagger. Right. You, do you think a crowd really want to wants to get behind Biff Tannen light? No. Absolutely not. I'm surprised. I'm surprised we haven't seen the legend Sergeant Slaughter come out and talk shit to Rusev. And then Dude, that's because Sergeant get his, get his hip broke with his chin. Right, I, I was waiting for that one to come along. Yep, because you know that's exactly what you would expect. You would expect the Sarge. You would expect, like I said, the Patriot. You know, like those, all those pro-American guys. Like if Hulk Hogan would have been healthy. It would have probably been Hogan coming out there doing the finger poke and the big boot because, you know, he's a real American. But since that motherfucker's held together with duct tape, cocaine, and tattoos, it's not going to work. And heavy cocaine at that, not yeah. just light. Yeah. But you have to get the Hulk Hogan with the with the, the Captain America with the real American mask. Oh, that my God, outfit. yeah. You Cap have to get that Hogan. Yeah, you got to get Captain America Hogan. He comes out. Uh, Mr. America. He comes out, Mr. America, with the mask, looking looking real stupid. Everybody knows it's him. You see the tuft of, of yellow straw doll hair sticking out, and you're just like, all right, I could work with this. It's okay. Like, that, like seriously, Kurt Angle coming back, Rusev talking about, oh, I need a challenge, blah, 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 open challenge, and you do it at, like, the fucking Rumble. Oh, my God. Everybody be like, oh, shit, fucking Kurt Angle. Oh, people lose their minds. No, uh, which which begs to which begs the question: How long will this Rusev train ride until we get to see the real American who stops him, or we get to see the John Cena train put a hole to it? John Cena, <laughs> John Cena is going to be that guy. John Cena is going to be that guy. He's going to be that guy because <laughs> nobody's as America as apple pie as John Cena. John Cena is America. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like he is the embodiment. He is perfect Hitler youth. You know what I mean? Like, that dude. Like, he's ideal super soldier. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, John Cena's going to be that guy. Because that's what you'd expect. And it'll be like on the 4th of July edition of Raw and Rusev is talking shit. And all of a sudden it's like, I'm a Jew. And then he comes running out. 
And it's just like, yeah, I'm here God, if, for if America. You call, if you're calling it like that because 4th of July falls on a, on a Friday, which will be a SmackDown yep. day, if you call it out, that'll be like the bullseye of all bullseye. Because it'll be like a whole anniversary of Lex Luger yep. and his Lex Express. Oh, yeah. It'd be, going it'd be, against Yokozuna. Oh, dude, and John Cena's going to come out. He's going to be like, you know, you guys, you guys boo me a lot, but at the end of the day, we're all Americans. And I'm not going to stand here. Exactly. I'm not going to stand here and let you disparage the red, white, and blue. Cause you gonna get ready to get your ass whooped, Jack. <laughs> that's that's the pop pop yep. pop. See, yeah, everyone pops. Exactly. That's be, men boo. Dude, that's the that's the Cena that's the Cena formula. Come in, you know, you. I'm gonna introduce this American foot to that Russian ass. Was, yeah! <laughs> you know, like that's how the shit is, dude. It's like it, it's gonna be that, dude. It's it's gonna be that. So when when that happens. Rusev's mystique, the real test for that character is going to be bouncing back from John Cena whooping his ass. Because once you derail the Rusev train and you give him his first loss, that's where the real test begins. Off to mid-card we go. That's it. You know, because Lana's out there, oh, Russian super athlete Rusev. And and John Cena's going to be like, the only super athlete here is me, the champ. Then he plants. Then he plants the kiss on her on her lips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, it's like it's like Vince. Vince is t- thinking fucking Cold War booking and shit. You know, the Russian music, the flag, fucking the big giant star on his chest. Oh, it's like why? Why didn't you just make Nikolai Volkov his fucking manager with Lana? At this point, <laughs> you know. Lana, Lana's the American ambassador so, from Russia. Nikolai is his fucking trainer, and Rusev, and you're good, and you're done. Terrible. Uh, anyway. I, I smell, I smell booking. Someone needs to call the boss. Yeah, I smell seriously. booking. So let's um, Austin Aries, Kenny King. This match was surprisingly good. Kenny King reminds me of a guy that should be an extra in New Jack City. Or in juice. Because he's, he's <laughs> just real ignorant. Like somebody said, listen, Kenny, we know, you know, you came from Tough Enough. And, you had, you know, you had a really good run in Ring of Honor. But your new gimmick, the annoying black friend. We want you to be Martin Lawrence in a kid and play flick. That's what we want you to be. Martin uh, Lawrence in kid and play. In, in house party. And is there any way... Is there, is there any way that you could be a bit more blacker? Yep. Can you bounce around? Yep. You know, like if you listen to music all the time, and we're not going to put beats on you because we're not sponsored by them, but just act like you're wearing them and yep. just dance all over the place. Dance all over the place. You know, just – and here's here's the best part. You know, he's the king of the night. Like they had this Las Vegas club guy gimmick. It's like, Really? And he looks broke. Yep, broke as shit. Dude, why are you out there in a Caraco suit? Come on, man. Why are you out there in that three, in that five suits for $200 shit? Like, yo, step your game up if you're trying to play this. At least at least MVP comes out in some shiny shark skin looking suit. He looks legit like he has a real paper. 
You know, Kenny King comes out looking, like I said, like the dudes from New Jack City. Sit your $5 ass down before I make change. He's that dude. Before I break change. He's that dude. He's, he's, he's the second guy to Wesley Snipes in New Jack City. That piss-colored dude. That real yellow-looking dude that, that, that he shot at the, on the rooftop. He's that guy. That was... G Money. He's G Money. That's that's exactly <laughs> it. Just just terrible, terrible. And you know what it was? The match itself was good. Austin Aries. Austin Aries can have a match with a with a legless and armless torso and make it look good. It kills me that Austin Aries has to go and and put people over in in TNA. When if he came to WWE, people would people would lose their shit because his gimmick works. He has the marketable tattoo. He's got, you know, he's got the, the the look. He could be the the quintessential Jericho replacement. Like if I had to replace Chris Jericho on WWE programming today, I'd replace him with Austin Aries. He's a guy who actually makes a cape look fashionable. Yep. I mean, he wears a he's a you know. The Count from Sesame Street wasn't the only guy who can wear this. I yeah. can rock this as well. Dude, look at dude's looking like dude's uh, he's looking like um like Timothy Dalton in in Flash Gordon. That's how he's looking, <laughs> looking looking like the Baron in Flash Gordon coming out with the cape and shit, looking real cool with it, dropping people on their fucking head. I just wish I had a Japanese announcer that could yell brainbuster when he gets when somebody gets dropped <laughs> on their head. Just oh my god, brainbuster. It'd be fucking great. He just, you know, I'd give anything. I, you, you take, um, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, there you go. You give Yoshitatsu that job. Yo, you bring Austin Aries in. Yoshitatsu's his personal announcer. And every time he drops somebody on the head, it's just Yoshitatsu. Brain Basta! Just, just real crazy. <laughs> Dude is living the Japanese gimmick. Yo, it would be perfect. You don't have to say Yoshitatsu's his manservant or anything. Just, yo, legit, legit Japanese announcer just yelling over-the-top shit. It would be amazing. It's crazy because I, I, I'm trying to, you know, go through the matches I've seen with Aries from TNA, from, you know, from, from Ring of Honor. And I don't remember him ever having, like, a bad match. Like you said, like, he could be in there with a water bottle and freaking put it over. And, you know, like you said... He he could fit in like any promotion, but he's a big fish in a small pond with TNA. Yep, it's 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 ridiculous. It's like it's like you know you hear that and you're like, oh man, you know this dude. He's he's uh he's so over the top that he makes it look legitimate. So when he's out there just like having matches with with these guys, you say to yourself, you have that moment of clarity, and you go, yo, why is this guy never anywhere near a title? Never, like. Well, that and the, and the other thing that I always say is just to, you know since I'm mean, since the way that they've been recording now, it's like you're pulling away your stars from the TV. Yep. So you see Aries work, you know, the first Thursday, and you won't see him again until probably the third or the fourth or the fourth Thursday. And it's like this is a guy that you need to see at all times if you want to really you know put a face on the company. Right. He should be that guy. Well, you know, you you have that match, and of course, Austin Aries goes into the triple threat match, which again, a, a great addition. I could have taken either him or Kenny King in that match. Here's here's the thing: 
I would have def I would have given Samoa Joe, and if Kenny King or Austin Aries would have been in that match, I wouldn't have felt bad. You know. But there was a this is and and that, that that's what bothered me was what was like the full reasoning like and mindset of why did they have to push Lashley like you could have put Lashley any other time if you yep. wanted to hell you could have been a dick and do like just put him on the match the next you know like you like you did tonight well why was there a need to put him in that main event well all I gotta say is did you read the the tape spoilers for Impact. Well, I didn't get to the tape. No, I didn't. Dude, when you but I will. <laughs> when you get to them, you're going to probably end up messaging me and going, yo, are they fucking serious? I'm just going to leave it at that. You're going you're gonna to lose your mind. Well, I, Go ahead. After what I saw, because I only got to see, unfortunately, I only got to see the last, uh, the main event tonight. And I, even with that, if I'm, I'm not going to put any spoilers off for anybody who cares, but even though I looked at it and I went, Okay, you pretty much just you, this is how you this is how you pretty much squash it, champ. Okay, yep. Again, good job. So then you you go on the pay per view. You bring in Ross and Marshall Von Eric. They take on the Bromans. Absolutely no build up whatsoever. Nobody. They're like, oh, the Von Erics. Okay, there's like thirty of them. Who are these two? <laughs> well, then and, and then you put these guys out there. If you could have had smell vision you could have smelled that they shit their trunks. Because they looked like deers in the headlight. Yep. They had no clue what they were, what, what, what was about to go down. It was, it was, it was just a, a train wreck. And then, you know, you leave Jesse and Zima Ion in there. And it's it, not, not that Jesse Goddard is a bad worker. Um, but, you know, I think Robbie E has a better command of just tag team wrestling with Goddard because he hides his weaknesses. Zima Ion is always good as the third man to come in and mix it up, but you can see that their their tag team work was very disjointed at this point. That and the the putting these greenhorns in there to go against guys who's already you know like you said that they don't have the chemistry. Yep. You know we saw that there were spots that were blown. Yep. Um, like I said, you, 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 a pro would know, hey, listen, a, you know, there's a spot blown here. Let me um, take two steps and cover it up there. Yeah. But, but these guys were just, like, lost. They were really lost. Even even Jesse and Ion looked at each other like, okay, what the, how the fuck is the finish supposed to go? Yep. Well, you know, after, after that match, it's like, all right, how, let's see if we get some redemption. Then we get the knockouts match, which was surprisingly good. But it was ruined by the shitty ref. The 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 in your pocket ref ruined that match. It's like, oh look, the hot chicks got the ref in their pocket. Oh yeah, we've never seen that before. It was and crazy. Even so, there's no build up to why. Yep. It's like, well, they got they got better titties. What can I tell you? Yep. That's it. I'd give those titties three th- three thumbs down. <laughs> it was thank it was, you, thank you, Dean Ambrose, Mister Titty Master. Yeah, dude, it was it was it was so it was so in your in, like I said, the referee in your pocket. I was just like, oh, come on, guys. It was it was just disheartening, dude. I was like, all right, you just ruined what was a a passable match, and then. You know, we get this Texas death match with Ethan Carter and Bully Ray, which Bully Ray, again, 
validates why he is such a solid worker. And Ethan Carter makes you wonder why WWE cut him loose. Because the crowd was hey, electric just, for I, this. But listen, the, the guy is actually... I, 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 I have a soul spot for, for Ethan Carter because, you know, he actually can work when it's able to, you know, favor him, you know. Right. And his mic work is pretty damn, it's pretty good. Yep. And he's able to bounce off the crowd. But I, this was like one of those matches that was probably a little bit over his head. I like, you know, like you said, we know Bully's a pro. Yep. You know, he's able to, you know, incorporate anything. I mean, the cheese grater, you know. Yep. And, you know, the setup with the, with the table, with the ring getting cut again. Like, you know, it was good buildup. But the only thing I hope is at the end of his career, I hope Bully Ray gets like the payoff he deserves. I'll tell you what. Bully Ray, probably if he went to WWE right now, if he went to WWE right now, he would probably, and I kid you not, probably be a guy that would be in the main event within the first three months. Because he is such a presence now. And he knows how to play off the crowd like veterans truly do. That management would be like, "Fuck, we got to do something with this guy because it's, 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 it's a he's a gold mine. He's a treasure trove of just heat. He is a heat magnet. Whether it's positive heat or negative heat, the guy works the crowd effectively. I feel that at this point in TNA, I think Bully Ray's just fine tuning his craft because he knows when his contract is up." WWE would give him a contract in a heartbeat, even if it's as a veteran. And with with the lackluster of heels that we're seeing right now, that the you know fans are just pretty much like lukewarm with. Yep. Bully will go in there and just like you said, start around, and it'd be with anybody, even their their top heel. He'll heal it up against them. Yep. Um, I, I I'm just hoping that it's it's it, he he gets what because he is very much under under recognized in the wrestling world. Well, you know what the worst part was? You went from that match, which was a solid match, like I said, and giving Ethan Carter the victory. I liked it because when Dixie Carter got involved and Bully Ray's like, "Yo, I'm gonna kill you, bitch," and everybody's like, "Oh shit," you know, like it was it was such great storytelling <laughs> that you know you couldn't even dispute the finish because the storytelling came together so nicely. Yeah, plus we had tables, so that's, you know, we, we, we could actually put the icing on the cake for that one. Yep. Now, James Storm and, and Mr. Anderson, what a disjointed, shitty fucking match that was just used for your Sports Center moment, for your ESPN moment. It was abysmal. And again, neither one of these guys are shitty, which is the, the depressing part. It was just a shit match. I got a lot of guys who who always tell me like they don't you know they they they're they're done with the whole James Thorne thing and I'm like no nah, the guy's good he got a good one but I I get it now because it's more like I think it's run its course with him I think maybe we should put him back in a tag team because him as as, as a solo is just nope it doesn't come over well well and this ahead. match actually almost had me changing over to the freaking NBA Finals. That one, you know, luckily I was watching it on another screen, but I needed to probably see it in the big screen because this match was not catching my attention. Well, you know what the worst part is? James Storm 
when he was at like when TNA was like really big down south and they were teasing a title run for James Storm, that's when you should have capitalized. Because that's when he was over. You know, as soon as he came out and the music was legit and, and everybody, you know, long necks and rednecks on the road. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, I brought my fucking cooler. Me and me and Billy Bob, we gonna get fucked up. Yeah, James. You know what I mean? Like, like when they were doing like the really down south hardcore shows when they were on the road and he'd come out and, and it's like, OK, you know, everybody's into it. Yeah, it's great. Now it's like, ugh, fuck you. It's like Tennessee Cowboy James Storm. It's like, go fuck yourself, you know? Yeah, because it's, you know, there's, there's, there's stars who break away and can, you know, move from being the tag team guy into the solo. We, we, talk, we talked about Bully Ray, who's able to do it. We had Sean, who when they left the Rockers, he became a big name for himself. Bret right. Hart left the Hart Foundation. With James, it's just like, Dude, when you was with the America, America's Most Wanted, you know, the, 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 the beer money, it was like, that was cool. Yep. Like, that was the cool thing. You as a solo, and then now you're wearing trunks, and that's like the old man thing now. You're wearing, not trunks, but the long spandex pants. Right. It's like, what are you doing with yourself? Like, it's like, what are you doing? Next, you're going to be wearing the old man T-shirt. Like, you're not going to be wearing, you're not going to be shirtless anymore. It's like, ugh. Dude, the, the- stop it. The best James Storms had three excellent career defining moments. That was his tag team with America's Most Wanted, his tag team with Beer Money, and right around the time when Robert Roode betrayed him and he had he had the crowd in his hands for that title run. That was it. And listen, no not to him. Some guys can't even get three. Yep. You know, look at future endeavors, whatever the case may be. But as of now, it seems like he's like, I'm grasping at straws here. I'm about to go drink another cis pack. I'll be back. Exactly. And then, you know, Mr. Anderson, another guy. So much, dude. The crowd in it, in the palm of his fucking hand. The crowd eats and eats up everything he does. And I don't understand. I don't know if it's the booking or lack of motivation. I mean, you know, Val in the chat says Mr. Anderson is lazy as fuck. You know, it's like, I don't understand it because the crowd fucking loves him when he was using asshole on fucking television, like naturally, like, yeah, me and my assholes, we're going to go out there and, you know, I'm just a big asshole and our fans are assholes and yeah, you know, everybody's like super into it. And I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. And then when you look at it, you're like, oh, once you strip that away, you know, once you strip the potty humor away, like when he was starting to become almost like TNA Stone Cold, I was like, all right, they're on to something. And then it just took a fat shit, too. And what sucks is that I really, I really support this guy. I mean, when he, you know, when he was Kenny, you know, he was Kenny, you know, Kennedy and in WWE, I was like, I, 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 I like this guy. Right. And he messed up that run there. And then he comes to TNA and it's like, all right, he's going to get another, another run here. And then, like you said, like even like Val said, he just he just looks lazy. It's, I don't. And Big Show used to always get a, a a a reputation of that, and I could see it more with Anderson. Like, why why are you even wrestling? It doesn't even like you like it anymore. Well, here's the thing too. Like Mr. Anderson, it was funny because like they created the Sports Center moment, and the Cowboys players were celebrated with Mr. Anderson. And I said, isn't this the guy that comes in and he's like, from Green Bay, Wisconsin? Like, 
that's your whole gimmick. You know that you're a Packers fan and you're from Green Bay, Wisconsin, and you're in there celebrating with cow- with the Cowboys. Like, you should have been like, hey, guys, thanks for the assist, but you know I'm too much of an asshole, and it's always going to be about Green Bay, Wisconsin, you know? That is, like, a, that is what Cowboy fans are, I mean, Cowboy players that nobody even cares about. Yep. Like, who? It's like, I mean, you uh, couldn't get in, not a Romo, nothing? No, nobody wants to come out? Nobody nobody, nobody could have given Michael Irvin a, 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 an eight ball of Coke and Emmett Smith? Give Emmett Smith some beard dye and Michael Irvin some Coke and maybe Troy Aikman another hair piece? Like, come on. Hey, Dion, you're not doing anything right now. Come on, let's come out for a little while. That's it. Seriously, you couldn't you couldn't use Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith. Are are you kidding me, dude? Like that was the heyday. That's what that's what that would have got you know the crowd hype. Even if they would have been with um, James Storm, like uh, you know I'm a cowboy, and everybody would be like, yeah, and he would have been like, yeah, I'm a Tennessee cowboy. These ain't real cowboys here. Like that would have worked. The crowd could have eaten that up. Or even with Mr. Anderson. Oh, you want to put him with the face? Like Mr. Anderson could have been like. Yeah, guys, you know, uh, thank you for the assist, but um, it's always going to be about Green Bay, with, you know, and the crowd would be like, oh, shit. Man. You know? Like the anti-hero. It was like, look who's, look who's in the crowd. It's the punter and the place kicking older. Yeah. Wow. Hey, look, it's the guy that carries Tony Romo's bags into the locker room. Great. <laughs> That's fantastic. So then, you know, we, we finished that bullshit. And then we get the, the steel cage match, which was surprisingly good. But again, Austin Aries and Eric Young were doing the bulk of the fucking work. The bulk of the work. Bobby Lashley's like, hey, am I supposed to do something right now? Oh, yeah. Let me stop sweating on you. Let me sweat nine pounds of head sweat onto your face. That's, that's, my, that's my offense. I think the 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 the, sa- the saving grace that I'm hoping for EY is that listen, you had your run, you was with TNA, you was you, you was committed, you've been there for a while. They gave you your title. Now I'm gonna go do my TV shows. I'm off this ship. I'm out. Like here's the funny thing, Eric Young. He was part of Team Canada in the early days. Then he started that faction where it was him. Um, the real Indian Jinder Mahal, who was, uh, what the hell, uh, Davari, him, Davari, and it was a couple of other guys, and they were, like, just international. They had Doug, Will- yeah, Doug Williams, yep. Homicide. Yeah, dude, like, it was just badass international dudes, and it's like, Homicide? It's like, Puerto Rico's part of the U.S., like, get out of here. <laughs> like, you know, you know, I ended I think it was like foreign affairs or something like yeah, that. Yeah, dude, it was something crazy. And it's like, yeah, you know, coming from Canada, a.k.a. America's hat, you know, like it was it was crazy. So, you know, again. There you go. Bounce said a world elite. Yeah, world elite. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, it, it was just it was just very like that. Listen, Eric Young had Team Canada, world elite and the belt. He should just be like, fuck you guys. I'm out. Like you said, yo, I'm going to go do these TV shows. I'm done. You know, like, like, cause the, again, much like James Storm, his three marquee moments, and he had a bigger moment because he won the belt, you know, and everybody was into it. Then it was like, all right, whatever. Yeah. I think I think he could be ready to have his swan song. Yeah, but you know, once again, you know, a, 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 and like, um, Stardust mentioned in the chat room, it's like dropping the title becomes a kiss of death for TNA because you know. 
once you reach that pinnacle, you're sitting there and you're looking around going, literally, like, what now? Like, yep. literally, like, what now? Yeah, I'm trying to find the, uh, the, de- the debut of the world elite. Because uh, <laughs> it, was, it was just, here it is. Let me see. It was uh, Eric Young, Doug Williams, Rob Terry, some Japanese guy, Magnus and Davari. And there's a video clip of them beating up the, the Guerrero that looks like Eddie, even, you know, if Eddie was a corpse and still alive. That guy. <laughs> Hector. Hector. Dude, why does Hector Guerrero just look like like zombie Eddie Guerrero? Like He's what? like the walking dead Eddie. Dude, it, it, he really is like, it, that's a good one, walking dead Eddie Guerrero. It, I'm like, yo, what the fuck? This terribleness. But um, anyway. If Eddie had a bad heroin addiction. It was oh, funny. my God. Just, just, just fucking heroin face Eddie Guerrero, God rest his soul. It's like, yo, Hector, dude, what happened? And you know what's what's worse? That he also looks like Gomez Adams. <laughs> Fun fact for you guys who didn't know. Hector Guerrero was actually under the mask of the gobbledygooker. No, he wasn't. Really? <laughs> yes, it was. It Holy was Hector shit. Guerrero. <laughs> that, um, Slick just sent me a link that Bully Ray says he's dating Velvet Sky. I'm like, oh. I guess I guess once Chris Saban got cut loose, somebody had to let the pigeons <laughs> loose in the locker room. Good job, Bully Ray, if that's true. Good job. Anyway, let's switch. My boyfriend got cut. Oh, oh, come talk to me in my let, locker. Let me comfort you. You know, how, you know how he comforted her the same way Joe Pesci comforted fucking Sharon Stone in Casino. In Casino. <laughs> oh, you know, Chris Chris got cut there, 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 there. Yeah, there. <laughs> come there on. you go. Yeah, let me unzip this. Yeah, come on, dude. It's, it's just like, oh, let, let, let me help you with that. Just craziness. Anyway. So let's switch gears. I, I want to talk about Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw was just ridiculous. Um, of course, the Battle Royal was announced and, you know, oh, we're going to exclude Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, and John Cena because, you know, John Cena helped the Shield, whatever. Rollins comes out and um, he has his match with Dolph Ziggler. And this is a very promising feud for a couple of reasons. I like where they're going with it. I think Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins are pretty much cut from the same cloth. Great sells. Uh, good varied offense between both guys. I just felt that you could probably turn this into a full-on feud if you wanted to. Dolph Ziggler sold that curb stop like he got shot in the face. It was great. And then Roddy Piper Ambrose I, comes out and just derails just everything. <laughs> what happened? I'm sorry, but this week, like, I had to get into uh, a discussion with certain people who were, were trying to share the nonsense on the dirt sheet, talking about, well, you know, Ziggler doesn't get his push because it's a you know, word behind the WWE curtain is because he's injury prone. Are you kidding me? This guy wrestles every night. Yep. He got buried. Well, not buried. Excuse me. He got squashed and was putting people over twice in one night. Yep. And you're worried about him being injury prone. You got to be. Come on. Give me a better excuse than that. I think, I think the problem with WWE management, and I've said this before, is that they see diamonds in the rough. But they're, like I said, it's such a huge roster and they don't maximize their TV time 
that guys just fall through the cracks. Like Dolph Ziggler, the crowd, the crowd needs him, wants him to be a main event guy. But WWE doesn't want that to be the case because WWE feels that, you know, he he's not he's not like honestly, they probably view Dolph Ziggler as a B plus player. You know, to take a storyline term and use it, Dolph Ziggler, they they view him as a B plus. I wouldn't be shocked yeah, because he's probably the guy that they they probably consider that he doesn't toe the company line. You know, he he marches to his own drum, and you know, and it's it's. Hey, listen, it, he 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 gets pushed to the back the way it is, but sure enough, they're taking Roman Reigns and whoosh, putting the rocket right on his back. Well, you know what's funny? Uh, Stardust in the chat says Zig, Ziggs is not top ten. And I want to I want to kind of you know nudge that issue a little bit, and I want to know Stardust just um, share in the chat why why you feel Dolph Ziggler is not an a an A player in your opinion because I always feel that Dolph Ziggler makes everybody look good. I understand that he doesn't have the big superstar look that WWE wants so much, but you know what? Neither does Daniel Bryan, neither does Bray Wyatt, neither does Luke Harper. Eric Rowan, CM Punk, Chris Jericho, the list goes on. Now, Val says Dolph equals Mr. Ass 2.0. Okay. I, you know what the worst part why? is? Because they use the, why? Because they both use the famous? Or like, Dude, he does, uh, he does anything, have the I, Billy Gunn hair. Him. He sells like Sean, if anything. I know, but he's got that Billy Gunn hair rocking right now. I can't even front, dude. True. Uh, <laughs> the, the, oh God, the ramen noodle after. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, dude. It, and I feel bad. You know, I think I think Ziggler, he, he really needs to, like I said, you know, do the party boy gimmick. Maybe he needs to be in a good tag team. Maybe you need to take Dolph Ziggler and, recre- and create the magic that Shawn Michaels used the rockers for. And then once you finally turn him, then you run with the ball. Like... I would put Val says he makes people he makes people looking good kicking his ass. That doesn't make a top player. <laughs> Actually, it does because in the older days, they respected guys that were putting other guys over that way. I mean, Mick Foley got credit for doing that. Like yeah. he was Mick was a guy who made everybody look good, and look what happened with him. Yeah, well, the way I see it, the way I see it, when you look at, at Dolph Ziggler, here's here's how I would probably take Dolph Ziggler I would probably take Dolph Ziggler I would re-sign and and again this is this armchair booking at its finest take Dolph Ziggler re-sign John Morrison pretty much you got your Michaels and Janetti, but with more talent and a better moveset and just let him run roughshod make him an established tag team keep him together for like a year and a half really good and then start teasing the dissension maybe use a woman as the catalyst and then boom, you split it, and and then you just you take both guys, and then you 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 take advantage of long term booking. This is the problem that's been plaguing WWE. You take these guys that are that should be in tag teams for a year or two, and then you just split them up, and then they fall by the wayside. Great example: Titus O'Neil. Titus O'Neil and Darren Young as the primetime players. You break them up. Oh no. Where's Darren Young on the shelf? Where's Titus O'Neil getting his ass whoop on Monday? Yeah, but I think it also goes involved with like it's with the politics that happens in the background because it's like he doesn't he doesn't 
toe the company line, like I said. And look, he's, he's, the guy's going to be 34 years old. How long do you think that he's going to be around doing what he's doing? I mean, let's be honest. True. You're going to give him a run. The run should be coming like now. True. But the problem is that now with only one belt, the run is going to be a miracle at this point. Like, it would legitimately take yeah. a, a plane crash that would kill half the main eventers for Dolph Ziggler to get a shot. <laughs> I'm, 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 it's terrible. It's terrible to say, but come on. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing, and this really annoyed me, and people felt that I was more annoyed than I should have been, was the fact that Dean Ambrose is out there playing the maniac effect effectively, and Triple H just clowns him. This is what I said before when John Cena would clown Bray Wyatt. It's like you just took a viable gimmick and you shit on it and you and you just made your guy look stupid. Well, if you start looking, because I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it, if you start looking at all the stuff, especially when back, not more so the earlier DX time, but more the later on midlife crisis DX, <laughs> Triple H had a habit of really do, really putting himself in that spotlight because he wanted to put himself over to make him that whole ego thing. Right. And now it's a worse thing. This is why they need to get them off TV. Triple right. H and Steph needs to get off TV. Right. Because without thinking, you're burying, and this is what you could use the word bury, you're burying your gimmick. Yep. Like there's no ne- front. You're, you're doing it live. Yep, there was no necessity for him to clown Ambrose. He could have been like, Ambrose, you want to act all crazy? You want to fight? You're fighting a guy that really lives for this shit. And that's it. But you're like, don't get all crazy, Dean. And, ah, you know, it's like, you know, I was waiting for him to just be like, Do you, might as well, you know? You might as well say, like, like, like dude, you're not even tough like that in real life. I just saw you baking cookies with your daughter. Like, you might as well just say that. Yep. Yo, Slick just painted the craziest picture. Dolph Ziggler is a white modern-day Tito Santana. <laughs> oh. I want to disagree with him so bad. <laughs> but but you I can't. Can. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, was, I, really, I really was bummed that they did that to Dean Ambrose. And then, they, you know, they're saying that he's going to be wrestling with the jeans and the tank top. It's like, yo, at least don't. Why do his jeans look like Jenko's? Like, why does he look like he got he got some some big Smiths from Sears when he came out? Like, why can't he just look like an ass kicker? Like, a, like why can't he just come out dressed like Daryl from The Walking Dead with a necklace made of ears and shit? <laughs> Motherfucker comes out looking like looking like a dude you pick up at, at Home Depot and shit. I'm like, yo, what happened? Like, yo, if he's gonna be wrestling in jeans and shit. Like, clean that shit up. Don't make him look like a fucking, like a herb. Come on, man. You know, fucking wrestling in chinos or something. Oh, it was like terrible, that, dude. I'm like, crossbow oh. on his back. Oh, you know what they look like? Those real, real obnoxious cargo jeans that were hot during the 90s. <laughs> you remember them shits? They were made by Boss yeah. or Cross Colors and Carl Kanai. He should have just come out with some Carl Kanai jeans with that big metal shit on the back. You guys like this look? Next week I'm coming out in acid wash. Yep. Dude, next week you should come out in acid wash jeans and a leather vest. The staple of the 80s wrestling badass. 
<laughs> like, dude, come with on, With a headband. Dude. Yeah, with a, with a headband, yes. It's like, yo, why is he dressed like a guy that should be in the Warriors? Like, what the fuck, just, man? Either, either in the Warriors or he just was coming from a Bruce Springsteen concert. Oh, it, it was, was like, it was so bad, dude. It, when he had the Bruce, leather, the boss! Dude, when he had the leather jacket on, I'm like, holy shit, it's Roddy Piper. You know? But it, but it was just... Oh, uh, please, if you guys... I don't know if you've seen the screenshots yet of Seth Rollins' outfit. I'm oh, on the yeah, fence yeah. about that one. Dude, Seth Rollins looks like the Flash. <laughs> like, <laughs> yo, what's going on with that? But but still, dude, like uh, like I read on a couple of different sites, like, yo, Ambrose is going to wrestle in the jeans and tank top. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But, uh, dude, don't get me wrong. When he ran out, I was like, oh, shit, why is Roddy Piper doing the save? You know, because that was cool. And then, you, then when it was like the tank top and shit, it's all tucked in. He looks like it looks all young. I'm like, yo, what's wrong with this? No, no. You know, and it's too, because um, when he was Moxley, he would wrestle in his regular trunks. And I think that, like, that'll be too much of a shock for people to see that transition. So they're, like, gradually trying to, like, put him in something else. But that look is, like, seriously, like, if he's – you might as well just give him grease or hairdos. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, dude, like you should play the music from the from the greaser tag team with Cherry. <laughs> with Deuce and Domino. Yeah, dude, Deuce, <laughs> Domino, and Ambrose. Like I, I was like, yo, come on, but don't, but again, the match with Wade Barrett, beautiful fucking match, beautiful, clean. The the finish was right, but I'm gonna say this, and some people may disagree. If you want Rollins to become more successful, you got to keep his feud with the Shield short-lived. And not only that, but he's only interrupting Ambrose's shit. You were in a tag team. Well, you yeah, were, they, he, he, you know? Well, because, you know, they, they had to put it to that angle because, remember, you know, they, they, they had their tension, right. you know, for a short time with, with the Shield. But, yeah, leave it short, but then we, we're stuck because now... We have to find something for Rollins to do. Ambrose could feud with anybody. He's right. the anti-hero. Right. He could feud with anybody. We already know that Reigns is going to be the guy. He's, he's on his way out uh, to, to, to get that, that, that brass ring. But we got to find something Rollins to do, or, yep. or else he will be in Kofi Kingston country. Yep, and not only that, you know, it's like... You know, Ambrose, like, when he was, like, after the match was over and he was talking to his fist and shit, like, I like that. I liked it just being crazy, you know? It, 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 and you're going to laugh. You're going to think I'm insane. You know what you got to do? You got to give him the Roddy Piper They Live gimmick where he just comes oh, out, and, where he just comes out and he's like, he's like, I, 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 see, I see what you really are. You're 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 not really a, a wrestler. You're just you're just a, a monster pretending to be a human being. You know, just like like real crazy fucking promos, like bipolar insanity. But like, what's the tagline? It's it's uh, I've only come here to do two things: chew gum, chew bubble gum, and kick ass. And, and I'm, I'm all out, out of bubble gum. gum. Yes, <laughs> dude. Like, yeah, dude. Like he comes out. He's just like, yeah, you know, I was in the back and. Um, I was I I saw what you really look like and people will be like, "Yo, what are you talking about?" And he's like, "I see I see you for who you really are." Like just real crazy bipolar madness. Like you have to embrace I'm not talking about our truth little Jimmy hallucinogenic I got bad weed craziness. I'm talking about 
Yo, this motherfucker is the homeless guy in, in, in Penn Station talking to himself that you walk the other way because you're afraid he might kill you. That type of and shit. The, and, the sick, and the sick thing is freaking Ambrose will cut a promo and everyone will just not speak. Everybody just wants to hear what's going to fly out his mouth. Dude, the, 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 Unlike the homeless person in Penn Station who everybody just throws their money and just runs away. Dude, the, the, the promo he cut as John Moxley where he was talking about being abused as a kid and he was just fucking insane. It was it was ridiculous. Like people people don't understand how amazing that promo was. He's just he's just um he's just insane. He he was super insane and I and I loved it. I was like, yo, he is out of his mind. Out of his mind. I just thought about. I just thought about what freaking what Sean or what, what Seth Rollins reminds me of with his new outfit. Once you guys see it, that Snake Plissken from oh, Escape from shit. LA. Seth Rollins is Snake Plissken. Yes, <laughs> yes, Seth Plissken. He went from Snarf to Seth Plissken. Oh man. Oh, Slick says Ambrose is too high strung. If he was toned down a bit, he would be the new Jake the Snake. True. Mm. True. That uh, too high strung that and just give him a couple of you know, vials of crack here. It'll Let me bring him down. I think this was the one. This this promo about possession that he cut. This Dean Ambrose was. Let me see if this was the one where he was talking about like being abused. Let me see. Check this out. Let's see if this is it. No, 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 kid. Come here. Come here. Yeah. Hey, you got to capture history. If you're being so intrusive, you might as well. Tonight, it's one of the biggest nights of my career. But last night was just like any other night of my life. I couldn't sleep. I can never sleep. So on the eve... Of one of the most important nights of my wrestling career. About midnight last night, I went in my medicine cabinet. I grabbed every bottle of pills I could find, and I just kind of like poured a bunch of them down my throat. I don't even really know what anymore. And then I woke up this morning and I put all my own vomit. And I felt really good. I felt ready to fight for this. This is a world championship. This is something that that athletes sacrifice their entire lives. Their families, their jobs, their whole lives, they sacrifice to achieve things like this. They bleed, they sweat, they cry to achieve things like I did tonight. But it's just a possession. It's just a possession. I'm not really a possession guy. I'm kind of a, I'm a, kind of a meat and potatoes kind of guy. I don't really, this really means shit to me. I learned about possessions when I was a kid, when I was 12 years old. And I was sitting up one night and I heard my mom's boyfriend come over. And I heard him light up a few bowls. And I heard him crack a few beers. And I heard him getting a little friendly. And then I heard a cold, hard crack over my mom's head. And I heard a couple other guys come in the house. And I tried to sleep, but I couldn't. And I came out the next morning. My mom zoned out on the couch. Our TV was gone, our furniture was gone, 
All my mom's money from whoring around was gone. And I learned right then that possessions just make you a target. And I don't want to be a target. I've, I fashion myself more as a hunter. I don't want to be a target. So if I have this possession, people are going to come after me to try and get it. So I don't want it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this belt here. Fuck this. I'm going to shrink it down to a vapor. And it's going to pass through my skin, into my pores, into my blood cells. And it's going to become a part of my body. It's going to become a part of me. This belt, from this moment on, is going to pump along with my heart, my blood. Every breath that I take with my lungs will be taken along with this belt. And this belt is going to be damned right alongside my soul for all the sins I've yet to commit. And then nobody can take it from me because it's a part of me. So drink younger if you ever want it back. If you ever want to take this home again, you're going to have to drag my dead body down the street with you. As I was saying, Ambrose, a fucking problem. And this is for like a promotion <laughs> that a lot of people don't know about. Exactly, dude. So just, just Ambrose being a lunatic. On a promotion that barely anyone knows about. So can you imagine the capabilities he's going to have on a grand stage he has now? Yep. Jeez. Yeah, dude, but people needed to see that. So, you know, um, Rollins got involved. Ambrose comes back. Kills Wade Barrett dead. The match itself was good. Then um, we get the little backstage segment. Roman Reigns, hey girl, hey girl, hey. You carrying coffee around? Obviously, this is the setup because allegedly Vicky Guerrero's leaving. So, um, you know, we got to resort to, oh, I'm going to put the Visine in your coffee. And you know, you know how it goes. So, a couple of things. I liked where it was going. I liked the psychology that was at work. I didn't like the way that they set it up. Could have been set up better, you know? Could have been, oh, you know, Triple H got a call that his house was on fire. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, something more, not realistic, but more apropos versus, oh, we're just going to go with the gross-out vomit humor. Because, you know, that works. To me, it was more like, I, it's a, it's a simple laid out plan, but not for Roman. Like that's something to put something in somebody's drink. Yep. That's, that's Dean. Dean will do that. Right. That's an Ambrose move. Right. That's an like, Ambrose if move. Anything, not a Reigns move. You just move. have him today. Yeah. You don't put Roman in that position. There's other ways around. You might as well have like had him smooth talk. Vicky got her blushing something, you yep. know, but that's not Roman. That was the only, you know, that was another, like, thing that jumped out. I mean, you know, the vomit thing was amusing, but again, it was, it was so, it felt so juvenile because it's like, yo, if I vomit on you, I'm not going to vomit like the fucking exorcist. And I understand it's wrestling, you know, you're supposed to suspend disbelief, but nobody fucking projectile vomits out of a fucking room the amount of puke that she fucking had. Why didn't you just pour a bucket of blood off the fucking ceiling at that point? Well, I smell slammy nominee because that's exactly what they were going for with that one. But um, hey, they don't. It opened the door for something. Yeah. Well, 
It, 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 here's here's the the funny thing that opened the door because Vicky Guerrero is gonna allegedly be leaving, and she'll probably get fired or she'll probably quit. Depending on how they want to give her the send off, if WWE could give two fucks about her, they'll give her the send off in a shitty way. If they respect her enough, they'll let her go out like I quit, you know, and then she quits, and that'll be that. Um, which then we now have. Uh, back to the old drawing board. Who becomes the GM? It's going to probably Hogan. be Flair. It's going to be Flair, or they'll throw. They'll finally bring. They'll finally decide to use Sting for something other than internet rumor fodder. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, one thing we learned from this week's episode of Raw is that as as Money in the Bank comes together, the guys that are in the event are going to wrestle every fucking week. So Sheamus and Bray Wyatt was as passable as it could be. The Usos came out of nowhere because then now the Usos want to save everybody. They want to use the Wonder Twin powers. You know, hey, I turn into rice and spam. Hey, I turn into a bucket of water. Like, okay, like <laughs> two Samoan guys and an Irish guy walk into a bar. Like, like really? Like, I, I just felt it was the most awkward pairing and the most awkward match compounded with the fact that the brawling style of Sheamus and the, the the haphazard insanity of Bray Wyatt just it worked, but it didn't gel the way it would have if it would have been a feud that was being worked on. You know, this one I'm starting to get a look of this whole Uso thing. Was like, you know what? Maybe we should have never given them the belts or like. Um, I'm hoping that they lose it soon because you know, like you said, this whole superhero thing, it it, it it's too Cena-ish. Right. And it, it's just it's it's becoming like okay, we get it. They're champs. They they they're the faces. I got it. But do they have to be involved in everything? There you go. But you know, again, it, it I'm I'm sure. Here's what I'd like to see: if it's money in the bank, I would. And this is, this is, you're going to probably, they're already setting up a second Money in the Bank match, which we know. And I would actually take the tag belts and do a, a, a tag team Money in the Bank match where a tag team can challenge for the WWE tag team titles anytime. The pay-per-view is called Money in the Bank. I would make Money in the Bank matches for all the belts. That way, everybody gets That's on TV. Not- that's not a bad idea. Fuck Except it. for a Divas match. We really do we need a Divas ladder match? Dude, I take a, I would take a Divas ladder match because you know what? Show 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 that you're willing to take risks. I would do a WWE Divas match. Hell, we got a knockouts cage match in TNA. Oh, but there's there's a difference when it comes to that. Those yeah, but don't worry about her hurting themselves. <laughs> right, but but still, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. You got a couple of bruisers in TNA that could, you know, but still, <laughs> you know, like at this point though, why not a do face it? Bump here and there. Yeah, like like it's funny that Slick says the divas are not capable enough to safely do a ladder match. But think about it. I would make it Natalia, uh, Natalia, Summer Rae, um. Hitler dance, what's a face? Bubbles. And um probably Naomi. I think you were referring to Emma. <laughs> yeah. Naomi. And um yo, throw a oddball in there, throw Charlotte in there. Five divas. All serviceable, all get the job done in the ring. 
I think it would be a decent match. You know, one contract allows him to challenge for the belt at any time during the year until WrestleMania. It adds a little bit of spice to the division. You know, and it would at least look... It was Stardust says do a step stool match. <laughs> but in all seriousness, at least you're doing something with all your belts where they're actually a focus. Like, why not? Why not do a ladder match for, you know, a Money in the Bank match to challenge for the IC belt or a Money in the Bank match to challenge for the U.S. title? Like, the pay-per-view's called well, Money in the Bank. Hello? Well, because... <laughs> First of all, they would think that's more like uh, WWE 2K14 booking, and they, they, you know, they're a bit higher on standards for that. But secondly, if you did do something like that, which is not a bad idea, but this means that now talent has to be created because you can't have a carbon copy match right. each and every match. So right. they have to be, you know, different spots for different, and, and they have to be creative with the ladder. So that that that'll probably be difficult for them to pull it would be it would be difficult but at least you know you could try it once i mean tna when they do the the cage match pay-per-view all their matches are contested in the steel cage it's like yeah well that makes sense because that's that's the theme you know well yeah it's like the um uh or the no way out or the tlc's right and it's like well, the main event is the TLC. It's like, Ex no, everything no. should have had something exactly. relevant to the card. Exactly. And I think <laughs> I think by doing it that way, think about it. If you break that down, you got your world, your world heavyweight title match. You have tag team uh, money in the bank, IC, US, and Divas. They're your five matches. You see what I'm saying? Oh, thank you. Uh, let, let, let Slick put this one together. If you want the bitches to have a good match, hang a pair of Italian pumps instead of MITB case. Oh, oh beautiful. There you go. Hang a pair Not of... sexist at all. Ha yeah, there you go, <laughs> Slick. Hang a pair of Christian Louboutins up there. Thanks, Slick. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, that's the whole point, you know? Like, even, even right now, like, you take a, a U.S. title, Money in the Bank, and you put Rusev... Like, like just, just a crate, like a decent enough guys that you know, Rusev, Biggie, um, you know, Bo Dallas, like guys that are there but not there. And then at that point, you can just like Rusev say Rusev wins the U.S. title match and he cashes in the the case and wins the U.S. title. You have a Russian guy who is anti-America as your U.S. champion. At which point, Lana decides that the U.S. title is now the Russian title. Right. And, and what, you asked, what you asked me, which goes back to my, you know, what I was going to ask the question before, ball, which was, okay, we have now that the titles are going to be the one that's up for grabs for the money in the bank. Right. Would it have been better that to have, like, the mid-card guys, or at least, like, because, you know, everybody that's in that match is the top-tier guys that's in that match. Wouldn't it be better like to see it shaken up a little bit just to have like a mid car guy have a run at it and like, you know just put it over for a couple of months? Well, what they did was they 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 played it with four veterans, three rookies, basically three wild cards. Yeah, and those, Bray three Wyatt, and those three rookies are probably over way more than anybody else in the card. Oh right yeah, now. but I'm just you know three rookies in the sense that they're three on the cusp superstars that management believes in and i say that with quotes because if you did that like josh josh you know 
said to me, he goes, why not just have Bray Wyatt win the match or involve himself in the match and take the belts and just be like, I own these belts. Bray, you're the champion. Nope. I just own these belts. They're mine now. You know what I mean? Like, it would add to his persona. Not to say that he keeps them for a very long time, but at least it's just he looks at these like, these belts are possessions. They're a marker of being somebody. And management and the company thinks I'm nobody. So, for the time being, these belts are just going to be here with us, with the family. You know what I mean? Like, it would just add a unique dynamic to the character where people would look at him and be like, oh, shit, you know? Like, that's insane. Like, the guy's not what? even defending him. They're what? like, Bray, you got to defend the belt. Why? This isn't a belt. I am what? not your champion. I would hope that that happens yep. if, if the Wyatts win the tag team titles and that becomes, like, the ploy in which it's just like, you know, these titles are nothing but false icons to the right. masses. And we hate these things. And they take it and take freaking sledgehammers to them because I hate those tag team titles. Right. I, I, I hope I, I, that's a better spin for it. Right. Like, that's what I mean. But the problem is that going that route again involves being creative. Like, right now, you have all these guys vying for the belt. As much as we'd love for Cesaro to win, it would be a miracle if they did that. As much as we would love Bray Wyatt to run away with the belt, I don't think management is ready to give him that opportunity. You know, and as 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 much as we as 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 everybody thinks Reigns is going to win the belt, hate to break it to you guys, it's either going to be Cena or Orton as your champion once that pay per view's over. Hate to break it to you guys. I am still crossing my fingers and praying that two motherfuckers fall off that ladder holding a belt. I mean, it could happen. It could be. It could be that way. But it would. It would take some serious gambling for them to decide to do that. And I really would look, and it would be those two guys you said, which would be the longest run for it. It would be Cena falling off on one side and Randy falling on the other side. Yep. Well, we had to get to our obligatory uh, guest host spot with, with Kevin Hart. He comes out um, commentating during the Fandango and, and Adam Rose match, which was just a, a debacle in itself. Um, Prissy Hen runs off fighting with Layla. And, um, you know, Kevin Hart goes in there, plugs his movie, dances like a fool, leaves with Adam Rose, crowd goes mild, and that's pretty much it. I, I, I am thoroughly entertained by this Adam Rose guy. I have no idea why just the crowd is not into it anymore. I am still, look, I, look, I'm still like, shell-shocked when I don't see this Leo Kruger guy, but right. I'm, I I see the Adam Rose character and he's pretty much embraced it. And I, I don't know why it's not getting over more. I think because Adam Rose's character is about, a, is about, you know, uh, three years too late. Like Adam Rose would have been good mm. when like Russell Brand was good. Like, people were, were appreciating. Oh, that small window. Yeah, dude, but that small window, they could have maximized that small window. Then when it ran ran its course, then you turn him into Leo Kruger, and he just comes up and kills people dead. <laughs> yeah. You know? But so I, 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 still, I, still get, I still get thoroughly entertained when the Exotic Express pulls up. Oh, yeah, I mean, that part is good, but then afterwards you strip it away, and you're just like, oh, yeah, that. Well... 
So and plus, I think also since we already have like that androgynous look with gold dust, it's just like and and Flan, uh, Fandango. It's like okay, another one. All right. Absolutely. Well, the way I see it, that the next match was pretty much. Well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. And I'll tell you why because. Cameron stunk up the joint in that match with Paige. What a piece of shit that match was. Number one, why does Cameron still have a job? Oh, yeah, that's right, Total Divas, which, by the way, they said that if if E wouldn't have requested Rosa Mendez to be on Total Divas, Rosa Mendez would have gotten canned, too. They are really just shooting themselves in the ass with putting these girls in the ring with Paige. And and it's really hurting Paige. It's yep. really making her look horrible. Dude, that match You're, was terrible. I, I don't... I, and now I'm starting to second-guess it because it's like, you know what? You might as well have left the NXT until you was able to bring solid divas to the WWE because it's it's piss poor at this point. Well, the way, the way that they're saying is that Oksana's departure frees up either Charlotte or Sasha Banks getting a call-up. If anything, Charlotte won the belt, so I don't see her coming up anytime soon. Maybe Sasha Banks, possibly. But, dude, that Cameron match was shit. Sasha would be the one that would come up because she works uh, fairly decent, and she she pretty much has that old gimmick like, you know, Michelle McCool and Layla. So she'll fit in with that. Yeah, Cameron, ugh, terrible, terrible fucking match. So let's talk about the big one, the big news story, Gold Dust and the debut of Stardust. Now, the funny thing is everybody in the chat room is is all Stardust and this and that, and it's crazy because people were saying to me, oh, man, you know, is this really good for Cody? I'm going to be honest with you. Cody's Cody's best moments are when he is being a fucking weirdo. Like, when Cody was wearing the plastic mask, I pray every day, you know, and he's putting the bag over people's heads and shit. That was Cody Rhodes at his best. The only other time he was remotely interesting was when him and Sandow were in the tag team together. But other than that, you strip that away, it's, oh, yeah, Cody Rhodes is a promising performer. Cody Rhodes is a good performer. Yeah, that's great. You know what? I'd be, you know, anybody can be a great performer, but it takes a real person to have a presence. You know, it's like Cody Rhodes has all the tools. It's like he is anti-Curtis Axel in the sense that Cody Rhodes has the tools and the crowd kind of wants to believe in him, but they can't because they just can't connect with his gimmick. Like when he had the mask on and he was coming out with the hood and shit, it worked. It was effective. Now... It took, you know, something so extreme and so crazy that when you finally saw it, you're like, oh, wow, this is insanity. But it was insanity that worked because people, dude, he changed his moveset. Every part of the Stardust character was not Cody Rhodes. It was perfect. And it was something that you would think that it was right in your face. Like, no one could have ever would have, I mean... Probably in the back of your mind, if you would have sat there and said, you know what would be fucking crazy? Why don't you just paint Cody up like fucking Goldust and just make him look, like, make them look like each other. And right. just call him, I don't know, fucking Stardust or something. Like, right. Like, it, it's so right there, but no one could have even, like, imagined on putting it together. Well, I now, 
I couldn't have imagined it because I never thought Cody would genuinely be like, yo, let me let me paint myself up and go out there. Like, you look at Cody, and you're like, dude's too pretty. You know what I mean? He has a marketable look. He's not going to want to do that. But sure as shit, he did, you know? And then, you, and then when he came out, I mean, granted, I don't know if anybody else caught it quick, cause, but I caught it quick when he came out, and I said, holy shit, what the hell was Cody doing? And he turned, and I said, "Okay, what the what the fuck is this?" I tell you, I, what, I, I just would, but man. like I, for that five seconds when he came down the ramp, and you know, I said, "The fucker is actually embracing this." Yep, this is awesome, dude. <laughs> this it was, is awesome. When he put his hands and together and he had the star, me, everybody who knows me for the show, no, I'm not a I'm not a big Cody fan. I know nope. you don't. I'm not. I didn't. I didn't get it. I never got it. This grabbed me because I said, you know what? This is a company guy right there, and I, and I like this. Right. He, I, I, I liked it, and I liked that Cody felt at ease in the gimmick. You know what I mean? Like when you see – like when he cut the promo on Randy Orton and he made fun of Batista's pants, like that was, I felt, really Cody Rhodes, who he really is, you know? Like just a chill dude that knows that he comes from a long line of tremendous performers, but he's just going out there and having a good time. Again, you know, a company guy, much like Damian Sandow, company guys that, you know, they're trying to do the right thing. But here is where I feel if they don't do it right, it'll fall apart. It's well, if like they, said, if they the, separate. The moveset has changed. But, I, you know, the moveset has changed. But, by the way, that finisher has to be a little bit more cleaner because yep. it looks more of the opposite, that he's the one getting the, the brunt of it than right. actually the opponent. But other than that, uh, I, this is this if done right. This is marketing gold. Yep. Do you know the figures, the action figures that will fly off the market for this? Well, here's the, the best part: fly, even Two if masks. it's limited edition, it's you, crazy, dude. You could sell masks. This is the thing. You could, but here's the here's where I'm concerned. You went through all this trouble. You created this character. Everybody is into it. The internet went fucking crazy. Do not break them up. Don't. But that, that's what I'm saying is that it has to. This this has to be a run. They have to give yep. them the run. They have to give them, you know, some. Sometimes I mean, even if you got to have them fight from the bottom of the barrel of the tag team division all the way up to for the tag titles, you got to give them that run because like I said the merch on this for both of them could be amazing. Absolutely. I felt the debut was good. I felt the reception was good. You know, Cody just needs to tighten it up. But I also think that this was probably his first time playing with this gimmick fully. Like, I'm sure he probably worked it and he practiced it and he went into, you know, and I'm sure, you know, Goldust walked him through it like, hey, come out there. You know, you're going to go like this and you're going to do this. And it's it's him having to unlearn his moveset. So this was why, like, when, you know, the, the finish got botched and there was a little bit of awkwardness, I think it's just because it'll take him at least a good month of, of being on television to tighten the gimmick up, you know? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say that right off the bat that I am a strong supporter of this, and I pray that they don't screw this up and they freaking don't yep. have him turn yep. anytime soon. This got this to have a good run to it. There you go. So last but not least, the stretcher match with John Cena and Kane. We knew that from a mile away, John Cena was winning this match because 
you just know. There's no, there's no, unless they wanted to really do something and shake it up, you knew Cena was going to be in this match because he is the safe guy, you know? And we already knew that, you know, hey, chair throwing is now the fad now, and Cena does it well. Yep. I mean, look, if you're, if you're going to put somebody out, if Kane is supposed to be going out for the next couple of weeks to film his movie, who else put him out but Cena? Yeah. What a way to go out. I mean, you know, it, it, was, it was as academic as could be. It's like what everybody said. It's like the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's like you knew. It's like Orton being in there was a lock. It was just a matter of whether Cena was or wasn't going to be there, and he is. He may be the catalyst that will keep Bray Wyatt from winning the belt because there's a story there. But, you know, the other thing with that is, you know, I, I was kind of surprised, but not really, was that actually when he won the match, that there was a big pop for it. That he actually got a huge, you know, uh, a huge uh, 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 reaction from the crowd. Like, that was actually fairly decent. Yeah, it was fairly decent, but I think it's just because that, that was a, a crowd that was more pro-Cena than most. Mm. Well... Let's get let's get into the the wrestling news to to bring it home. Um, last on last week's episode of Legends House, you know Pat Patterson made the big announcement that he was gay, and when I saw it, I said, "And this is news, why?" But then I remembered that it was something that people talked about and it was acknowledged, but it was never used as a vehicle for media, much like Darren Young coming out. So I, you know, I, I understand it didn't pick up and, and become such a big thing because obviously he's a veteran wrestler and he's an older guy and it's not as effective as a, a Darren Young. But I kind of felt that you're taking a, a guy's identity and you're using it for mainstream exposure. And, I, and again, this is WWE's, uh, you know, their, their mantra when it comes to this stuff, but... I just felt that it was something that did not need to be overly... It, it didn't need to be done the way it was done. You know what I mean? Well, for 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 guys in the industry who pretty much, especially in WWE, it wasn't... He wasn't closeted there. Right. He was known... I mean, they know of, you know, his, his significant his significant other. They knew he had it. You know, it wasn't like a, you know, a big thing for them there. I think what it was because they didn't use it as too much as a vehicle to pretty promote it for like their shows because he you know they tease it on the the right. the, the second to last episode right but they you know it wasn't like they were pushing it to say hey make sure you watch the series finale let's see right. the finale because woo we got this bombshell for you but I I, I get what you're saying that it's like a, so much like of a non-issue it's a non-issue and... good. But even still, it's more of a thing like, you know what, we have to start looking at no matter what age, gender, creed, we have still, you know, these individuals who are not able to be free with themselves. And even no matter if it's Pat Patterson or, you know, Darren Young or whatever the case may be, you know, it's time. You know, they they could be open. And and you're right, it's it's not much of a non issue. It it was it wasn't a non-issue, and again, I just felt that you it, it didn't need to be like yeah, it could have been discussed on the show as a way to just show acceptance from veteran peers, 
because you know those old timers they have a different set of values you know so that's different because it would have shown wow tolerance understanding you know what i mean but it just felt contrived and forced especially because legends house was filmed how long ago <laughs> yeah like it's mm. Uh, I, like I said, I, I, I was just more of a thing like, you know, good for you, Pat, but I, it's not that big of a deal. It's not. Nope. Like, like you said, maybe about 10 years ago, yep. maybe you'd have been breaking barriers. Right. When he was on TV with Briscoe and they were, you know, the Stooges and they were on TV on a consistent basis. Yeah, because then it's like, oh, shit, you know, and, and back then in 98, 99, the 2000s, it was it was something like oh you know like this is huge now like i i want to i i don't want to put this uh, i don't want to downplay anybody's sexuality or their sexual preference but it's like people are making coming out of the closet trendy you know what i mean right like it's not meant to be like i've always felt that sexual orientation whatever however it is don't don't create a spectacle out of it because it just adds to the fuel of people speaking about it negatively. Like you are what you are. That's it. You know, like it's almost, it's right. almost like it's almost like saying like, okay, WWE, we get it. You're yep. very accepting. You're, it, you have yeah. your open arms. We get it. Right. Like I don't like I don't like the the usage, and this doesn't even go to just uh, sexual orientation, but just overall, like all these different things. It, it it's it shouldn't be a it shouldn't be a factor like it shouldn't be something that's create that creates such a such a huge media buzz like yeah celebrities okay it's a little different because you know if somebody said you know if Brad Pitt came out tomorrow he's like you know I'm 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 gay that's that's a little different because it's it's a person of of uh, not a person of clout but it's just something out of left field you know what i mean but it shouldn't be turned into this giant spectacle, this giant... It's like, all right, so that's his sexual preference. Thanks. You know, that's it. But um, what, so, what, all in all, what is, what, what's your opinion of possibly, like, the biggest show on WWE Network right now? Like, for the first season, what did you think of it? I thought that for a, for a show that was filmed a while ago and isn't super viable... I felt that it was good original programming, and I think it's a step in the right direction, and I think that if WWE continues building this sort of momentum of giving people a glimpse into their superstars' lives without so without too much of a work being involved, it creates something better. You know what I mean? It creates something different. In terms of Legends House, I like the glimpse into who these guys were as performers. The only problem is that you knew 97... Here, let me let me give a, a better number. You knew seventy-five to eighty percent of the time you were being worked. Versus, yeah, I, I, I you know, I was I was entertained, and I think for like the first like the first season, it's like okay, you got a good blend of guys in there, right. which I could see it work. But now, if you thought that this one was saturated, wait till the second season, which right. is going to be overly saturated, right? But again, it's also going to be dependent on who you put in in that show. You know, if you do Hogan, Flair, you know what I mean? Like, if you do guys like Hogan, Flair, Sting, um, you know, shit, you want to get crazy, dude. Hogan, Flair, Sting, and Vince. Oh, dude, 
screwed Vince. In now fucking, that's interesting. Yeah, because now you're and getting... Make, and make Vince the real ass by like, he can always buy himself out of things. Right. <laughs> and just, just like, like it would, it would create a different dynamic because we know Vince is this, you know, this hard nosed guy, this dedicated guy, this, this old guy that never rests, that never sleeps. But it would be good to put him in that environment and you get to see that this is a guy that he'll wake up at 4 a.m. and drink a protein shake and go in the gym to pump iron and he disrupts all the other old-timers that are trying to rest and shit, you know, because he's he, he has this drive and this determination. And it's not a question of Vince is my boss. It becomes a question of, oh, he's an old-timer in the house with the rest of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. That 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 actually be some good booking or good um casting. <laughs> yeah, well, so I wanna I wanna switch gears. Um, they're starting to talk about potential nominees for the next WWE Hall of Fame induction for 2015, and some names that have been floated around are The Rock, Kevin Nash, Rikishi, and then for divas either Victoria or Mickey James. But a name that's actually coming up this year that's becoming more of a possibility is the legendary Randy Savage. And the reason is because the company is working on a Blu-ray release of Savage's career with a full documentary, and they're working with his brother, uh, Lanny Poffo, the genius. So do you think it's finally going to happen? Oh, God, I I don't want to get my hopes up to be disappointed again. But, you know, I'm glad that they're actually putting together the, uh, a Blu-ray that's more chronicled and more detailed about uh, Savage because the last DVD they pretty much had, it was just matches, and it right. was like, okay, where's the the backstory for it? Um, but if if I'm going to put, you know, uh, uh, a weight to balance on it, I'll say 70-30 that it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. As for the other names you mentioned for the Hall of Fame, wow. Things are getting thin out there, isn't it? Yeesh. I don't I don't think they're getting thin, but I'll be honest, the rock going in, not a bad idea. I'll be honest. But yeah, I, uh, uh, I, uh, I, you know, they'll they'll put them in because, you know, you know, they'll get the you know, the celebrity Hollywood crowd to check in. Right. I mean, uh I mean, who, I mean, who who else are we looking at? Possibly, you know, Sting, possibly. Yeah, yeah that Sting look as well. Sting. I don't know. I would probably put Sting. Rock, I, I I think the Rock. I think the Rock could wait another year. Okay, I would put Sting in there. See, the problem is that if you put Savage in there and Sting in there, it's gonna downplay Sting's induction because Savage is, you know, Savage. Like the specter of Savage. It's like when the Warrior got announced. When the Warrior got announced, his his induction was so huge that it eclipsed everybody else, and that's that's the problem. Like, if I can agree with you, you could probably save the Rock to 2016 and put Savage in, and maybe Sting. 90 seconds. All right, uh, for those of you listening to the live show, the Blog Talk Radio feed will go off air in 90 seconds. You can continue listening on the Mixler feed, M I X L R forward slash My Take Radio. Or you can continue watching on gfqlive.tv or mtrlive.com. So, yeah, I, I would I would probably put off The Rock for a year, and it would probably be Savage and Sting. And even still, it would still take away the nomination. 60 seconds. We got it, 60 seconds. It would take away the nomination from Sting, just because, like I said, Savage is one that we've waited for so long that the the weight of his induction would be huge, you know? 
Yeah, but yeah, for that, you're just saying that you might as well just induct him and no one else because it is. It's, it's been that long of a wait. Well, it's no. like the bigger induction than Ultimate Warrior. Right. But I think with Sting rather and, and you know, Sting and Macho Man going in at the same time, I don't think it waters him down because generally, look, you think about it, Sting held out for this long for mm-hmm. his reasons. He held out. So for him not to be, you know, for it to be look like he's overshadowed, I think this is more redemption-wise for all parties that they're both going in. Well, I would, I would honestly, ten seconds. I would honestly say that Sting going in is a long due process, and I would probably go with Sting before somebody says somebody like Goldberg just to get him in on a Legends deal. I would probably do Sting uh. first, but even if Sting, for whatever reason, wasn't signed or didn't do whatever, and Savage got it then I wouldn't put The Rock in either. I'd probably do Savage, Nash, um, maybe Rikishi, and then for the Divas, may, you know, more than likely, I would probably do Victoria before Mickey James. And are we looking at Rikishi not just for the Rikishi character? We're looking at more for him in total with wrestling, not probably. just the Rikishi character? Probably. Because he right. was the Sultan. Yeah, then that, I, could, that could be feasible. Yeah, well, there you have it. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, we still got some time, but if if Savage's induction is imminent, it's it's long overdue. Now, um, I wanted to kind of bring up some TNA news in case you did plan on attending the Impact tapings here in New York City. But Matt Hardy has been signed for a deal to compete alongside Jeff Hardy during the TNA shows here in New York City. In addition to that, we may even see the return of the six sided ring as well uh i was on the fence about that because as much as i do like the six-sided ring i don't i i don't like the way that they're going about it by actually having the fans at, you know voting yeah. to see if they want it or not i i, I wasn't a, a big you know proponent for that one also i'm kind of on that 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 that, that ideal also like listen let it go Yep. Like, just let it go. I agree. I agree. Definitely don't don't try and rehash history for the sake of nostalgia. I mean, you know what it is, too? They're trying to make a big dent with these New York shows because they're in Spike TV's backyard. Spike TV's offices are in the city. But, listen, just come out here, give us some good wrestling, and sell out every night. That's and the it. other thing is that there's guys that's in the promotion now that are not used to that ring. Right. You would expect to see like a whole ton of botches going on and, and miscues because of it. Right. It's it's just a, a unique. It's just something. Yeah, I understand it was TNA's calling card, but that calling card has come and gone. Not only that, but just the talent that maximized that ring are just no longer here. Period. Yeah. Yeah. So to wrap things up. Um, WWE is going to actually put together a Brothers of Destruction DVD and Blu-ray following the partnership between The Undertaker and his half-brother Kane. Now, I wouldn't mind this. It's probably going to be a single-disc set. And from what they're saying, it's going to contain seven matches. Uh, The Undertaker and Kane versus Edge and Christian. Uh, The Brothers of Destruction taking on the Dudley Boys from Raw July 30th, 2001. Uh, The WCW Tag Team Championship match between the Brothers of Destruction and Palumbo and O'Hare. 
How about that? Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't see this as a DVD or Blu-ray. <laughs> this could have been something on a WWE network. So, I, I don't, I don't see. Oh yeah, I mean that this, one. This, this got... will be uh, uh, beyond the mat, like eight months from now. I wouldn't even doubt it. Well, they're including that plus the steel cage match to unify the WWE and WCW tag team titles with the Undertaker and Kane taking on Diamond Dallas Page and the late Canyon. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Who even remembers that match? <laughs> August 19th, 2001, SummerSlam. Then they got Whoa. the Brothers of Destruction taking on MVP and Mr. Kennedy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This then, will be on Beyond the Mat in eight months from now. Probably. Yeah. And then the last two matches, uh, the Brothers of Destruction take on Mark Henry and Big and the late Big Daddy V. <laughs> Dude, February 1st, 2008. The, 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 hits, the hits just keep on, keep on coming, don't they? Well, the last one was The Undertaker and Kane taking on The Miz and John Morrison, ECW, April 15th, 2008. Stardust in the chat says, damn, this sounds like a bootleg. It's like, and even like, wasn't the bulk of their matches like when he was um, the American badass? I think so. I think that's when he was, uh, you know, Booger Red or whatever fucking JR used to call him. (laughs) It's like, I was like, they they weren't even like really the Brothers of Destruction when it was the the Ministry Dark Undertaker. It was like motorcycle riding, keep rolling, rolling Undertaker. Yep. So, allegedly, this is going to be a, uh, you know, new WWE logo, blah, blah, blah. It's supposedly going to be released right around SummerSlam. Oh, I, I anticipate the horror. Oh, dude, it's it's seven matches. Like, dude, you could fit that on half a Blu-ray. Why don't you just put it on a mini-disc? <laughs> Why don't you just put it on a mini-disc? Why don't you just put it on, on that or a flash drive? This is what... This will be on the pre-order for everyone who's buying WWE 2K15. Dude, just put it in a in a flash drive the shape of a coffin. <laughs> just do that at this point. SD, this is an SD card's finest, 16 gig. That's it. And be done with it. You know, 1080p matches, seven of them on a, on a, on a SD card or, or a coffin-shaped flash drive. Fuck it. Because seriously, dude, and then you, you what, what do you want? People to pay $25 for that? Like, you're crazy. There's no way. Dude, I'd rather buy the Batista documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. Like, it's like, I understand WWE oh, got this and, tape library. And, and Batista makes his return. Yeah, dude, it's like, I understand you got the tape library and you guys want to go crazy, but chill. Somebody pitched this in the meeting and was like, the Brothers of Destruction, and somebody said, Really? This is going to work? <laughs> really? I think now we're robbing the customer now. Dude, I, I, there's nothing better than the Paul Heyman Blu-ray, which is probably going to be an amazing piece of history. You can yeah, show- that's the one. That, see, that's worth right. something. That's worth something. Dude, Paul Heyman with The Undertaker? I don't see anybody going... You know who's the best tag team ever? The Brothers of Destruction. Nobody I saying have that. that. DVD. Yeah, nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying that. You know what? You know what? You know what's a good tag team too? Oil and Vinegar. <laughs> 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 like, fuck out of here. 
You know, it's a good Make tag my team. Salad better all the exactly. Time. <laughs> lettuce. The the Brothers of Destruction DVD is the equivalent of the lettuce and tomato compilation. It's like who gives a shit? <laughs> Out of here. Fuck you. Anyway, that wraps up uh, wrestling for this week. As always, you can find Jay on Twitter at jsantypsw or via the MTR Live blogs on mytakeradio.com. He has also uh, put together a column about the worst of future endeavor. You should be seeing that sometime tomorrow. Be on the lookout for that as well. And as always, if you want to talk wrestling, you can always find him on our Facebook fan page sharing his wrestling knowledge with all of us. Anything else you want to add? I'm sorry, guys, but every time me and the boss get on the phone, it, it, we're like two old ladies talking about the good old days. Yeah, we really are but, some nostalgic pieces of shit, but you know what? I'll take it. It's all good. <laughs> all right, guys. Later. All right, peace. All right, that's going to wrap up this week's wrestling segment. Let's sprint on into the gaming, shall we? <laughs> Gaming news are a little light this week, but I do want to open up with what I was saying earlier about the UFC game, which, um, like I said, you'll see a review for that probably by the time this weekend is over, if not early next week. Uh, A couple of things, um, you know, with the release of that game, the summer's coming, and a lot of times you see that the summer becomes kind of like almost like muddy water when it comes to game releases, but right now with two new next generation consoles you have the opportunity to get a couple of decent games in right before the holidays and i think with regards to that i think the ufc game kind of got the ball rolling i saw pretty a pretty positive turnout with regards to pre-orders i actually did pre-order this game and i'm going to share this with you guys because of course when I pre-ordered the game. I went to I went to LameStop and um, I finally found one GameStop where nobody tries to sell me anything, and the guys are just there chilling. It's right next to the um, the MTR mailbox where we where we get all our correspondence. So I went in there. I pre-ordered it, and um, the guy was like, "Oh, you know, if you got any old shit laying around, um, bring it in, and you get an additional percentage off." Okay, great. So I figured I, I got up that Tuesday. I said, ah, let me stop on my way to work, pick it up. And um, I decided, oh, I'm going to get rid of UFC Undisputed because at this point, why bother keeping it? And I'm going to get rid of I had Halo 3 laying around because I figured I'd pick up the remastered uh, Halo Master Collection. So the Master Chief Collection. So I figured, all right, I'll take those two in. So I had given a five the five dollar deposit. So. You know, the, the game came out to whatever, come you know, 50, 64, whatever, with tax here in New York. So with five bucks off, it was like 59 and change. So the guy did the, the took my two games, scanned them in, and he said, you owe me $47. And I go, $47? We went from 59 to 47 So I looked, and I think it was about $12 or so for UFC Undisputed. And I looked at what I got for Halo 3, and I kid you not, for Halo 3, and I'm going to scan the receipt, I got $0.75 cents for Halo 3. I don't sell things to GameStop on the regular, usually eBay or Amazon trade-in, but I just I, I was in a hurry. I, I figured, fuck it, let me just get rid of them. It's not going to be that bad. When I looked at the receipt and I saw that for Halo, I got $0.75, cents, I was just devastated. I mean, don't, under, don't, don't misunderstand. Halo 3 is an old game, but shit, five bucks. 
ten dollars, you know, something. Ten bucks would have been okay. Even if you sell the game for fourteen ninety nine, you make a five dollar profit. But man, seventy five cents. And for those of you guys that think I'm crazy or don't believe it, I am going to scan my GameStop receipt tomorrow so you guys can see that I genuinely got 75 cents. Just because you guys are going to be like, no way, that's impossible. I kid you not, 75 cents for um, Halo 3. Anyway, so Nolan North did an interview with IGN with regards to the upcoming Uncharted series, and he was saying that he feels that the next Uncharted game would be the last game in the series. Now, the funny thing is, Uncharted is such a great series, such an amazing franchise, that if if it ended at the fourth installment, I wouldn't feel bad about it because it's better to go out on a high note than try and squeeze every ounce of energy out of the game and end up putting out a subpar a subpar sequel. So I'll be honest, if, if it's true what he's saying, what he's alluding to, if um, if that's the case, I would not feel bad if the fourth Uncharted was the last one because, again, you're going out on a next-gen console and you're going to sell a fuckload of copies. So, again, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if it was the last game in the series. But considering how much money it generates, somehow I doubt it. So EA is puffing their chest because Titanfall is the best-selling game on Xbox One. That's pretty much, you know, that's a no-brainer, considering that it's a game that was a first-party release for Xbox, released as a bundle, and has pretty much been dropped as low as $29.99 in some cases. I'm not shocked. It's a, it's a, it's a big seller. But don't don't tout it like it's the end-all, be-all. Exact sales numbers aren't available, though. They're saying that... The game sold 925,000 retail copies during its launch month. So the game is going to be getting some new enhancements, which if you have an Xbox One, you should be seeing uh, later this month. But again, it saying saying that Titanfall was the best-selling game on Xbox One, you know, that's like saying you're the winner of a contest that was only entered by one person. You're you're not you're not really telling me anything of substance. If you would have said Titanfall was the best-selling game. It outsold Call of Duty, which was released on all consoles. Then you'd be saying something, but saying it was the number one selling game on a system that has less than 50 launch titles, you're, you're, you're not impressing me. But this is EA. I'm not shocked. One of the games that impressed at E3 was Rise of Tomb Raider. Everybody was into it. That E3 trailer blew people's minds. We knew it was coming for Xbox One, PS4, and PC, but it looks like Amazon's UK site played the role of spoiler and has the Tomb Raider sequel listed on the Xbox 360 and PS3. Now, again, take this with a grain of salt. It may have been a typo or it may have just been advanced planning by Amazon, but if they do release this Tomb Raider game on current generation consoles, it shows that current gen console gaming has not bit the bullet quite yet again it's something that we have to keep an eye on because this game will not be out till the 2015 holiday season but again we'll see what the deal is in the coming weeks now i did want to talk about this because slick posted this on the site for those of you that are gta fans they released a brand new i'm not a hipster update 
for GTA Online. Of course, this game is available for PS3 and Xbox 360, and this fall, you will also be able to get in on the action on PS4 and Xbox One as well as PC. It's going to include new retro print tees, skinny jeans, new hairstyles, new tattoos, animal masks, and a bunch of other shit. If you want all the details, make sure to check out Slick's article on MyTakeRadio.com. So, to wrap things up, because like I said, it's a short week, I did want to talk about the the advances now with um, the release of the Amazon phone. So, Amazon announced their brand new phone, the Fire Phone, which looks incredibly promising. Obviously, listing it on AT&T is not the best thing in the world, but... Amazon continues to increase its ecosystem and is adding competitive pieces of technology on all fronts. For set-top boxes, you got Fire TV. For video streaming, you have Amazon Prime Video. Now for cell phones, you got an official Amazon Fire phone. And of course, for tablets, you have the Kindle and the Kindle Fire as competitors for the iPad and Android devices. Now, the thing about this is the reason I'm bringing it up in the gaming space is because... Amazon is continuing to slowly encroach on all these other um, all these other avenues. And I would not be shocked if Amazon doesn't take their increased portfolio and create some sort of a console to compete, maybe not head to head with the next gen consoles, but definitely with things like the Wii U or, or devices like that. I mean, they're already starting to do that with the Fire TV but I think if they start taking a more aggressive stance, considering the 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 um, the footprint that Amazon has, I see them becoming a viable a viable competitor. I mean, I talk about Apple competing in the game space all the time, but it looks like Amazon is really firing the bigger shot across the bow of of, of gaming because, like I said, the Fire TV you can buy the additional controller attachment and you can use that and. The addition of the Fire Phone, you're also getting uh, saturation in the mobile market because Amazon has their their Android marketplace and they have their own marketplace full of of apps and and services that you're going to be able to add on your device. I mean, the phone itself, pretty decent piece of hardware. The 13 megapixel camera was nice, um, but again, subsidizing only to AT and T, I felt was a pretty shitty move much like when Apple only released the iPhone on one carrier. Again, I'm sure this stance is going to change over time, but I think if Amazon really wanted to make waves, they could have subsidized the pricing better and they would have released it across all carriers. But again, I wanted to bring it up because I feel that Amazon's presence across all these different hardware outlets is going to be a bigger factor when it comes to reaching people, not only for media consumption from a movie standpoint, but also from a gaming standpoint as well. So if you are on the fence about uh, picking up a Fire Phone or picking up a Fire TV, but you're also a casual gamer, it, it might be worth taking a look at. I mean, obviously, like, you know, like I would get a Fire TV box for like my father-in-law or my grandmother or even my sisters to watch stuff because it uses all the services. And I think the easily accessible games are good for that sort of an audience. But again, only time will tell with regards to how big of a footprint they're going to try and secure, but it's definitely an interesting time if you're a fan of technology and even as a gamer because all these other companies are doing uh, all these different things. Like I said, the Fire TV is going to be a, a gaming system, is a gaming system, and also Alienware is releasing their Steam Box, 
which is pretty much a Windows 8 powered PC that will let you load into Steam directly. So it's basically a Steam console that's also a computer. It's going to be 549 and I believe that comes out during the holidays. So again, it's just a very, very crazy time for gamers. And as always, once we get more information, especially with the Steam box and a couple of other things, we will make sure to share it on air or on mytakeradio.com. All right, so that wraps up this week's gaming news. We got to talk some entertainment news. Let's get the ball rolling right now. MyTake Radio's entertainment segment is brought to you by SuperheroStuff.com. Get the latest and greatest superhero tees, swag, and merchandise, including uh, t-shirts for Transformers, Spider-Man, all your favorite heroes and villains at SuperheroStuff.com. And if you use our promo code RADIO15, it is good for 15% off the entire site throughout the month of June. Again, that promo code RADIO15. Make sure to check it out. If you want to pick up some brand new t-shirts, including some of the t-shirts that I've worn on air, some of my Punisher t-shirts and stuff, I've I've picked up from SuperheroStuff.com. They make good quality stuff, and it's not just tees. You could get pajamas, tank tops, backpacks, belts, uh, collectibles, various things, wallets, uh, money clips. So again, make sure to give them, give them a view, SuperheroStuff.com. Use our promo code RADIO15. All right, so... I got to talk about Amazing Spider-Man because right now it looks like Amazing Spider-Man 3, which is scheduled for June 10th, 2016, may instead be moving to 2017. As of right now, they haven't really given a reasoning for the delay, but I think part of it is because they're still working on spinoffs for the Spider-Man films, including the Sinister Six and Venom, which are taking resources away from the, from the third Spider-Man installment. Either In either case, I felt that them trying to get out Sinister Six, Venom, and Spider-Man was not going to happen. So this is really not a surprise for me. But if you are looking forward to another Spider-Man film, you will probably need to wait till 2017. So on the DC side of things, speculation was rampant up until it was confirmed by uh, The Hollywood Reporter and later on Variety. But it looks like... Jason Momoa, a.k.a. Khal Drogo, a.k.a. Conan, will be playing Aquaman in Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. Now, the funny thing is that Aquaman, even though major outlets have reported that this is official, they haven't, uh, Jason Momoa hasn't confirmed it. On the contrary, he's been having a lot of fun. Uh, He's been making various media appearances on social media, and he's not fully acknowledging it. From what they're saying, um, Aquaman's involvement is going to stem from General General Zod's world engine doing damage to the ocean. Now, I don't know if it's going to be him kind of appearing in more of a frustrated, pissed off, I'm going to whoop Superman's ass role, or if it's going to be something where it'll be a disagreement and then, of course, they come together at the end. But Aquaman appearing in Superman... Uh, versus Batman Dawn of Justice is going to happen. So 
Jason Momoa, like I said, he's having a lot of fun with it, but right now he has not confirmed it, even though, like I said, various outlets have signed on and confirmed that he will be playing Aquaman. For the time being, I've always felt Aquaman was a pretty lame hero. I kid you not. He's he's definitely not one of my favorites, but I will say that during DC's New 52, the uh, the latest Aquaman series is surprise was surprisingly good. I think they did a really good job with it. They added a, a just a deeper layer of storytelling, and I think if you utilize something like that to bring him to the big screen, he may not be total shit. But again, not one of my favorite characters, so I'm just gonna wait and and just uh, uh use cautious optimism for the time being on the captain america side of things um frank grillo did say that we might be seeing crossbones in the third captain america film he said you know it's one of those things where he wasn't killed off at the end of captain america and the winter soldier so it definitely is possible that we will be seeing him once again at the big screen on the big screen now Obviously, Crossbones, he's, he's one of my favorite characters. He works very well with, um, you know, he, wor- he, he worked with the Red Skull. He works with the Red Skull's daughter in, in some of the later Captain America issues. But I do feel that Crossbones being such a large physical presence and a guy like Frank Grillo, who he's a more lean actor, I think he's definitely going to need to put on some size to really make it work. Um, the crazy thing is... I really liked, um, you know, Frank Grillo's work in Captain America and the Winter Soldier. So when I knew that he was going to be, you know, Brock Rumlow, I knew that it was going to lead into Crossbones. And hopefully they pull the trigger on the third Captain America film and we can finally see it. Box office wise, it shouldn't come as a shock that 22 Jump Street owned the box office with a $60 million haul. Followed by how to drain, uh, how to train, how to drain, how to train your dragon too. That sounds like a bad porno. How to drain your dragon? <laughs> how to train your dragon two earned fifty million dollars. Maleficent hung on in the number three slot, uh, making an additional nineteen million. Grand total one hundred and sixty three point five million dollars. Edge of Tomorrow moved into number four. The Fault of Our Stars tumbled all the way to number five. X Men: Days of Future Past was six. Godzilla was number seven. A Million Ways to Die in the West was number eight. Neighbors was nine. And Chef was number 10. So there you have it. Now, the big news making making the rounds this week, obviously, besides the Aquaman casting, was the injury that Harrison Ford suffered on set for Star Wars Episode Seven. Now, a lot of outlets were reporting that Harrison Ford broke his ankle, but it turns out a lot of people are saying that Harrison Ford broke his leg. He is actually going to be on the show for eight weeks. Um, how this affects the overall filming of the the overall filming process. Some people are saying that it's going to be negligible and there's a lot of other things going on. But, you know, the fact is episode seven, Han Solo got injured. We'll see what happens. I think, you know, Harrison Ford, he's a he's a great actor and I'm sure he's looking forward to getting back and, and banging it out again. Eight weeks, broken leg. You know, he's not the youngest guy. They're saying that it's six to eight weeks, but I, I kind of feel that I think his recovery is going to be more along the line of 12 weeks. But again, that's just speculation on my part. Obviously, as the story develops and as we get more updates, we will make sure to share it with you guys. So 
Mark Ruffalo's been very active this week doing interviews, and he actually gave away a, a little nugget of information that Marvel is actually entertaining a standalone Hulk film. And I'll be honest, when Mark Ruffalo was announced as Dr. Bruce Banner in The Avengers, I felt it was going to suck. I'm really not a Mark Ruffalo fan, but, you know, he changed my opinion. I think he did a really good job in The Avengers, and I'm curious to see how he would handle a full leading man role as the Hulk. And his speculate, you know, the speculation and the rumors that he kind of fueled this week, I think they're good. I would be curious to see the Hulk once again. I felt that the Hulk with Edward Norton, where he fought Abomination, was a step in the right direction. And I think with just a little bit more tweaking, you can do a lot more with the Hulk. Because at the end of the day, the Hulk really boils down to what's essentially Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So going, looking at it from that standpoint, you can do a lot, not only just the inner turmoil of the character, but just the Hulk has a pretty sizable rogues gallery that you could really put on the big screen. I mean, obviously Thunderbolt Ross and abomination are easy, but you know, you, you got the leader, um, you know, you, you could put doc Samson in there. There's a lot of directions you can go with the Hulk character and his mythology isn't so skewed that it could get ruined. You know, I would like to see, and Josh and I have talked about this, I would like to see, like, Joe Fixit, Grey Hulk, maybe he tries to cure himself, and he ends up creating a different Hulk, and he becomes this Joe Fixit persona, and you could do half of the movie as Joe Fixit, and then he finds a way to revert back to the regular Green Hulk I think, you know, it's just an interesting narrative. It's something that hasn't been done, and you can have a lot of fun with it. But again, you know, it's it's something where the Hulk movies, it's in essence, like I said, a really big Jekyll and Hyde film. But we'll see how it pans out. A solo Hulk film right now, I probably wouldn't expect to see it till 2017, 2018, especially with the Avengers hitting theaters May 1st, 2015. But as always... Once we hear more, we will let you guys know. So this past week, of course, everybody was talking about the passing of Casey Kasem. Um, You know, our condolences go out to Casey's family. Um, The funny thing is, Casey Kasem, I used to crack a lot of jokes because, you know, he used to do American Top 40. But many people may not know that he was also the voice of many animated characters, including Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Now, the funny thing is, Casey Kasem hasn't even been dead a month and Warner Brothers is already is already talking about rebooting a live-action Scooby-Doo film series, which, you know, if you've been a longtime movie buff, you know that there was a, two live-action films for Scooby-Doo. They earned about $268 million worldwide, uh, the first film, and of course, they had a sequel two years later with fucking shitty Scrappy-Doo, and uh, yeah, I don't... Scooby-Doo is, is a timeless character, He's a character that will always be looked upon fondly by by adults and children alike. I mean, you know, they did the animated film with the WWE, which is great. But do we really need another live action Scooby-Doo? Do we really need that? Not really. But it's going to happen. And I just felt that it was poor timing to announce a Scooby-Doo reboot with uh, the passing of Casey Kasem this past week. But again, it's Hollywood. What do you expect? So, here's the funny thing. We were talking about Doctor Strange last week and some of the casting that's been done, and it looks like the writer for Prometheus, John Spates, will be rewriting 
the Doctor Strange flick for Marvel Studios. Now, the funny thing is, Doctor Strange's character is a character that can translate well to screen, but his villains, you know, Baron Mor I think it's Baron Mordo, Dormammu, Mephisto. He doesn't really have a huge rogues gallery. Obviously, going with Baron Mordo is probably the safest bet. But Donick, I honestly would not like Marvel to try and create this this franchise with Doctor Strange because his rogues gallery isn't really that deep. Obviously, establishing a unified Marvel universe is good, and you're creating obviously, you know, the mutants, the mystics. You're you're going about it the right way. I just don't think that you need more than one film to set the tone. In any case, Doctor Strange's film is currently being worked on. And what I'm really cur curious about is who will be playing Doctor Strange because it's a it's it's a pretty big role that can can cross over into many films. So it's definitely got to be a semi young guy who's gonna who's willing to do two or three films under you know willing to have two or three films under his belt. Now, this should come as a shocker to absolutely no one. But we already know that, obviously, Superman and Batman Dawn of Justice is going to set the, the stage for a Justice League film. Now, Latino Review has a rumor, uh, uh, you know, they posted a rumor stating that Ben Affleck would be playing uh, Batman in a solo film in 2019. Uh, Warner Brothers, of course, announced last August that Ben Affleck would play Batman in several movies, including, obviously, Batman vs. Superman and Justice League. But... I'm curious as to exactly where they're going to go with um, a solo film for Batman when you're using a guy who's supposed to play an older version of the character. Now, if you were going to use this older Batman to set up maybe a Batman Beyond universe, then that would be a little a little different. But if you're going to go with an older Batman and you're going to create this brand new set of films, what ex how exactly are you going to going to reinvent the wheel to make the character fresh once again. I mean, Christopher Nolan, he, he really did a great job reinvigorating the character, but you have this character already appearing in the Superman films and the Justice League. To go with a solo film, you're going to need to do something a lot different and a lot bigger. Again, take this as a rumor right now. Obviously, the guys at Latino Review, they're pretty good with their rumors, but sometimes they don't always pan out. So, once I hear more, of course, I will be sharing it with you guys. Last bit of movie news to wrap things up. Uh, Joe Blow was reporting that they have uh, the main villains for the Ant-Man film. Uh, the main villain, of course, is going to be uh, Darren Cross, who is an enemy of the Scott Lang character, and he's head of the Cross Technological Enterprises. Now, the funny thing is that Cross is going to have a similar outfit for Ant-Man, and he's, um, he he's probably going to just get bigger. Uh, you know, his character has been written a couple of different ways. And the other character that is alongside uh, Darren Cross is his uh, his cousin, William Cross, who becomes Crossfire. Now, William Cross is a CIA trained agent and, you know, he's a master marksman and martial artist and he has a cybernetic eye. Now, basically, when you look at that, you can think that he's going to be Marvel's version of Deadshot. Now, the thing is, both of these characters they're they're minor players in the marvel universe and you really want them to go alongside a guy who really doesn't need his own film but you're forcing the issue anyway i honestly feel that ant-man with all the rewrites and all these other issues is probably going to be one of the more poor performing marvel films 
in the established Marvel Universe thus far. I, I really want to be wrong, but everything that's been that's been going on with this film is leading me to believe that it's not going to be as good as Marvel would hope, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Ant-Man will be hitting theaters July 17th, 2015. All right, so I am, uh, if you've noticed, I've been wiping my brow a lot, and that is because these LED lights are incredibly warm. Uh, but in any case, uh, this is actually going to wrap up the show for this week. So let's take it home, shall we? You've just heard My Take Radio episode 233 for Thursday, June 19th, 2013. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, are interested in advertising with us, or just have any feedback, by all means, feel free to email me, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you want to keep up with My Take Radio, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, at My Take Radio, and of course, add us to your circles on Google+. If you're more into the whole visual side of things, you can also follow our boards on Pinterest, or you can follow me on Instagram, mytakeradio underscore rich. All right. If you want the best MTR experience, MTR app, $1.99, available in the Amazon Marketplace for Android, iOS devices, of course, you're going to head to iTunes, and of course, Windows mobile devices, you're going to head to the Windows Store, gives you 96K stereo episodes of the show, it gives you exclusive access to My Take Radio Behind the Mic, My Take Radio Beyond the Mic, and other bonuses and perks as well. As of right now, like I said, it's $199, but we're hoping to change that in the future. Stay tuned for news on that in the coming weeks. Otherwise, you can find My Take Radio in Stitcher, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Zoom Marketplace, TuneIn Radio, Swell, and any other podcatcher that you use to get your other podcasts, you can probably find My Take Radio that way as well. Anyway, on behalf of myself, Jay, Slick, Quark, Blade, who are working on some sort of a secret project, and Andrea and Josh and Ben, of course, and the rest of the MTR family, I will see you guys hopefully next week. If not, keep an eye on MyTakeRadio.com throughout the week as well as next week for our coverage of Consumer Electronics Week. Thank you guys, as always, for your support, and thanks for listening. Time to wrap it up. Peace! I'm rich, bitch! <laughs> All right, music-wise, we are actually uh, going to go out with some good stuff this week, hopefully. Again, uh, failure on my part for not having outro music prepared, but it's all good. Let's hit up our friends from ocremix.org, and we're going to go out with Streets of Rage 2's Above Reason uh, by Tefnec and Zircon. You can find the track at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. Thanks for listening.